0: Welcome back to Homestuck Made This World, a show about critical analysis and contextualization of the webcomic Homestuck. I'm Michael, and with me is Cameron. It's me.
1: Cameron, everyone's favorite. I don't think that's true. <laughs> Based on fan reaction, I don't know if that's true. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, you're, you're the car cat of the bunch. Um mm. <laughs> Uh today uh we are beginning the 5th episode of this uh show. It's hard to believe how early we are in our 13 episode run, but we are slowly approaching the halfway point. Um so this
1: oh, is Oh, we we haven't hit the halfway point yet.
0: I mean, it's 13 episodes, Cameron.
1: But raw page numbers,
0: we're not even close to the halfway point, are we? Oh, Here's the beautiful thing about Homestuck is that the page numbers basically work out (laughs) such that, you know, it's 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 8000 pages uh, split it in the middle um, and we are closing in on the midpoint. Great. Mm -hmm. Good. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So this is episode five, partisode five uh one that is to say episode five part one um where we are going to be talking about act five act two of homestuck the very beginning of of act two of act five uh Mm -hmm. because this is extremely normal uh it's a good way to structure both your narrative and your podcast i highly recommend it um it's definitely not more trouble than it's worth in in every direction Now, now I am <laughs> going to summarize Homestuck. Please. Uh, okay, so. <clears throat> Act 5, Act 2 begins as, over a terminal in the lab, Karkat views the entire life of John Egbert, from meteoric, grandma-crushing birth to the present, with his irritation and anger culminating in spade-eyed hate-love. He prepares to destroy John during their first conversation, just minutes before John and the other kids' timelines are wiped out by the oncoming scratch. However, Karkat is shocked to find John already knows who he is and considers them friends. John politely declines Karkat's romantic overtures, putting Karkat in the awkward position of having to troll John backward through the timeline in order to save face. John ends the conversation by saying he needs to go initiate the scratch and promising that the kids will see the trolls soon. Rewinding to where we last left off then, John had fallen asleep in the cloning lab and was sent off by the Authority Regulator on Bro's rocket board. This now lands on LoWAS, where John continues to sleep. Watching from the troll lab, Friska attempts to use her psychic powers to wake and manipulate him, but she isn't strong enough. On the battlefield, John's dream self wanders around with the cybernetic bunny. He glimpses dad and mom, but before he can reunite with his loving father, Vriska gets a lucky break and her psychic powers wake him. John's dream self disappears, and the ring he is carrying falls into a river. Vriska introduces herself to the awakened John, who's sad about missing his dad, but sets about bringing Jade into the medium. On Earth, a massive meteor still looms over Jade's house, and she is still falling from her exploded bedroom, but Beck teleports her bed into place to catch her fall. On the battlefield, among the slain members of his uprising, WV crafts his future wasteland shrouds from John's bedsheets and discovers the ring John dropped in the river. Vriska and John talk about various things, and it becomes clear she has a plan for him, offering to help navigate the game in a way similar to how Terezi already has. Vriska is briefly flustered by the appearance of a mop bucket in John's room, since buckets are obscene in Alternian culture. In the past, Kanaya congratulates Karkat on a stirring speech he just gave to the trolls about how they need to aggravate the hell out of the humans who have ruined their game session. She prepares to do so, having her first conversation with the person she thinks is Rose, but is actually John. She gets the viewport feature of the chat client working just in time to see Rose fall for a Bucket and Gushers prank John set up for her, further scandalizing Kanaya and explaining why her attitude toward Rose was initially more prickly. Kanaya works through a bunch of conversations with Rose we've already seen, and the two seem to come to better terms. Eventually, Kanaya admits to having read Rose's game fact and that she appreciated the author's insight. Rose, meanwhile, has forsaken her quest and started destroying various game locations in order to learn Spurb's more hidden secrets. Through this, Rose has learned of a mysterious object known as the Green Sun, but it's something Kanaya has never heard of. John chats with Dave, who's deep in a tangle of dozens of stable time loops he must carefully maintain in order not to produce any offshoot realities where a Dave dies. At the moment, several instances of him are manipulating Spurb's in-game stock market to generate an incredible amount of game currency at the behest of Teresi. In her past, just as Terezi witnessed the destruction of the troll session Prospect in a fiery green explosion, she received a transfer of a preposterous amount of game currency from the Kids session, which turns out to be how the trolls discovered the kids to begin with. Terezi watches Dave's life from birth to present, including all of his childhood fight training with Bro, and then guides him into manipulating the stock market to get the money needed to ensure the two sessions connect to begin with. John sends Briska a clip from Con Air, and she falls immediately and deeply in heart love with Nicolas Cage. Carcat, irritated at the clear flirtation between Briska and John and Teresi and Dave, pulls both boys into a memo to chastise them, which is predictably a disaster. In the past. Karkat passes out when he sees Tavros's legs get amputated, at just about the same time Terezi discovers the kids' session via Dave's transfer. Since Prospit has been destroyed along with Karkat's dream self, it's unclear what he sees when he's asleep, but it doesn't seem to be good. Eventually, Karkat wakes up, and in an Earthbound-inspired walk-around segment, we can control various trolls in the lab and have a whole bunch of fun conversations. A main thing we learn is that, just before his dream self was killed, Karkat saw the demon who. Destroyed Prospit, and recognized who it was. We also learn the following. Eventually, Purpo will be destroyed by the demon, and Fafari will go to sleep, despite Karkat's orders for everyone not to. Aradia, who is still a robot, is going to explode at some point in the future for seemingly no reason, and the green sun will be a part of the kids' plan to defeat Jack Noir. Eredin contacts Rose and tries to initiate a spade-style romance and neg her about magic being fake, but she shuts him down by magically blowing up his computer. Aradia also chimes in to tell Rose that by pursuing the green sun, which she reveals is the power source of the game's first guardians, Rose is messing with forces beyond her comprehension. Finally, Nepeta asks if she can chat with Jasper Sprite, who reminds her of her own departed cat mom, and Rose agrees. Meanwhile, Dave is contacted by Gamzee, whom Dave shows the music video for Insane Clown Posse's Miracles, leaving our dear sweet alien juggalo ridiculously enraged. Next in line is Equius, who disconcerts Dave with a slam poem about muscular anthros, but Dave is also impressed enough to talk about how the game is giving him a quest to procure a magic sword he doesn't really care about. When Equius suggests this might bring shame to the man who taught Dave to be strong, Dave offhandedly replies he does not really consider Bro whipping his ass every day to be the best upbringing, all things considered. Finally, Teresi pops in to warn Dave that he's about to fall asleep, so he summons Dave Sprite to watch over him. They consider briefly the whereabouts of Bro in the game session, before Vriska psychically puts Dave to sleep for some reason, and Dave Sprite prepares to fight an oncoming wave of monsters. That happened. Yep. A uh, little little less high octane than, than what we've been getting up to now, right?
1: Well, it depends on what you think octane is. <laughs> is octane disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> In which case, we're getting so much octane right now. We're getting a lot of octane if that's the case. And, you know, I'll say that this bummed me out. Mm-hmm. This whole uh, act, act five, act, act five, act two, part, whatever this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, section one. Uh, and the reason I say that is that all of these original kids are not the same characters. Mm-hmm. They are being written quite differently. Mm-hmm. In a way that I can't really account for.
0: Uh, say, say more about that. How are they different?
1: John is Jade now. Oh okay, John is written in almost the exact same tone as Jade. He is no longer like uh, he is no longer my sweet little beautiful boy. Mm-hmm. John Egbert in his room. He is like this happy-go-lucky young adult novel like like stereotype of a young adult novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even think this is real to actual novels, but <laughs> but kind of like, um, goofball almost. Mm-hmm. Dave is like an adult man. Mm -hmm. He is like a mature adult man. And maybe his makes the most sense for me because he did see his future self get murdered. Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, be aware of all that stuff. So he didn't see it, I guess. But that maybe makes a little bit of sense to me. Uh, And then Rose is like a fantasy. She's a high fantasy character now. Mm Mm-hmm. She she's a wizardess, sorceress, <laughs> whatever, right? And I get that these are actual transformations that are happening, and and the tone is coming from that. But like in real time, you know, in phenomenal time of these characters, they were goofy little kids hanging out in their rooms like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it's sh- it feels very uh, it, it it feels different. Mm-hmm. I they 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 are tonally and conceptually different characters now. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, this is also, you know, I think I said, you know, sometime a while back that uh, Dave gets softened a lot by the trolls. Mm-hmm. Dave gets softened a lot by Dave. Mm-hmm. He is not nearly the kind of character he was, you know, at the beginning of this comic.
2: Mm
0: hmm. What I really liked about this is uh, how clear like one of the things you said about Dave being softened by the trolls, but then also the role that the trolls like big picture play in this anyway about making the kids seem more more normal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I love how explicit that gets during the Dave Equius conversation <laughs> where Dave is like, OK, I'm going to like, you know, like uh, do the thing that I always do, which is try to uh, uh, get this guy to start a rap battle with me. And at first, it seems like Equius is not going to have any of this, right? He considers it demeaning. And then he starts busting out his what he calls his his slam poetry. Uh, that's mm-hmm. all about like massive, muscular horse people and jiggling udders. And Dave's uh, response is, oh, my God, what? What the fuck are you talking
2: about?
1: Yeah. Dave, who grew up in a puppet porn environment, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's not th- not that different. Like big big picture wise, right? Um, but yeah, right. It explicitly by by finding something that is somehow even more out there, you know, as a fixation mm-hmm. than ironic puppet puppets with big asses. <laughs> you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. then you make Dave look more normal. Yeah, it produces a, an effect that mm-hmm. makes Dave much more of a regular kid who's just got like a little bit of an attitude Mm -hmm. um it it seems like the trolls uh, have given hussy um some perspective on these original kids Mm -hmm. and uh, are really dialing them in to be more like average people as opposed to what the kids initially were which were their own stereotypes of people on the internet Mm -hmm. now the stereotypes of people on the internet are the trolls
0: that is like exactly what's happening here right if we want to describe kind of the formal move and this is something that got said in the, in the discord right people were talking about this is that uh and we, I think you even mentioned something like this in the previous episode uh homestuck is this text that is in conversation with itself where these like it feels like we took the troll break that gave Hussy some time to kind of ruminate on some things and now we have uh the characters Uh, The the characters that we knew before um, kind of slightly pushed in in a, you know, just a different kind of inflection. That means that they are looking back on things that were happening in the first three and four acts uh, and that were just kind of uh, part of the, the flat madcap zaniness of the world of Homestuck. And now they're suddenly approaching their own circumstances with emotional depth. Um, which is, I'm not going to say is a bad thing, right? But it is a clear kind of distinction, uh, between, uh, like different generic modes, right? It would be like going to see, um, well, (laughs) it would be like watching an episode of friends (laughs) where, uh, I can't remember who you said did this. Was it Joey who, who whips out a gun and shoots Phoebe? Yeah, I think so. Right. Okay. So it would be like, if we were watching an episode of friends and Joey whips out a gun and shoots Phoebe and, uh, you know, we, we end on that cliffhanger and then there's an entire summer of no new, no new episodes. We've got, uh, the new episode coming up, the new episode of friends, the new season is starting. What's going to happen? Everyone's a buzz. We open on the exact same scene where we left, where Joey looks down at Phoebe's corpse. And then he sits down on the chair and sighs and says to himself out loud. My god, why did I do that? And now we start like reflecting on, you know, Joey's life and like what has brought him to this point and like what are his emotional uh kind of blockages that result in him shooting Phoebe. Um it it it's like a uh you know, it's a follow through on things that were present, but it doesn't follow through in the same tone. Uh and that's where, you know, some of this disjunction is is happening. And it is as as you've said, um Becoming more of a teen novel kind of thing, because there's just mm-hmm. so much relationship stuff happening here. So much flirting, like just openly like that's what this story is now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's teens being teens with like a light fantasy backdrop. hmm. Yep. I uh, and people are going
0: wild for it. Uh, yes and no. As I said uh, previously, this is also where I think you start seeing some of the crack up in the in the fandom in weird ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean the something awful thread is is fascinating. I mean it's always fascinating. Um, but one of the things that is fascinating about it here is that at the end of this uh intro flash, where we get the final scene of Carcat with the spades in his eyes, like having fallen in hate love with John. Um, which, of course, right, recontextualizes everything that Carcat has been saying, all of his kind of combativeness and vociferousness uh, in the comic up to this point. It's like, oh, you thought this was just like, you know, fun interactions between an asshole and a goober. Um, actually, what would what would you say if I told you that all all the entire time that asshole was trying to uh, mac on that goober? Right. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: So everyone in the Something Awful thread is like, well, Uh, You know, Kismesis uh, does not actually have to be sexual or romantic, Uh, and (laughs) someone says, I I imagine it more like uh, uh, the relationship between um, Monarch and Dr. Venture from the Venture Brothers which um okay right i understand that but also i have some fan art to show you of monarch and doc venture uh just in terms of you know again that these are kind of ship relationships right these are these are mm-hmm. uh tailor made for kind of um fandom in the way that we can have john and karkat with their well karkat basically projecting his his weird dynamic onto john um and john just you know kind of <laughs> Moving through it like a fish moves through water, uh, not really uh, doing anything with it, um, but it still gives you the the fandom space to think about like Carcat's feelings and like what would happen if John began to reciprocate, and maybe this uh, stops being about spades and starts being about hearts and and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's a conversation that's happening in the Something Awful thread is there's uh, there's this almost the denial, right, of people trying to find ways to say that this is not what this comic is about anymore. To the degree that when John does say to Carcat, (laughs) a famous line, I am not a homosexual.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes. um, Yes, of course.
0: People in the thread are like, (laughs) damn, hussy trolling the shippers again. (laughs) Right, like ah, uh-huh. yes, the vast, vast trolling maneuver of John not wanting to be in hate love with Carcat. Yeah. <laughs> um. We also have a person, and, and to give you an idea again of how this moves broad strokes in in this essay thread, there's someone who is posting pretty consistently, um, about how much they hate troll romance. Uh, it is doing nothing but, and this is you know a, a specific phrasing that they use, enabling creepy fans. Um, Yeah, there's this there's an interesting thing happening here where this person who is like not too you might suspect this, right? Not too dissimilar from historical Michael in kind of a lot of outlooks is acting as if like the very presence of romance in a story is uh, like creepy. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But this person is this is every time troll romance comes up. This is what they're saying. They're complaining about it. um, And then. And then, uh, you know, about two thirds of the way through this reading, we get our Dave Teresi conversation where it is clear that Dave and Terezi are just like flirting the hell out of every, like every conversation is just like weird, loaded, flirting repartee. Um, this person has been both a Dave fan and a Terezi fan. And at this moment, they're like, well, OK, I guess this makes sense. <laughs>
1: I like that uh the um uh I, I the archive not not archival, I don't yeah, the uh, archival experience of something awful has made you an expert on the thoughts and opinions of particular human beings. <laughs> yeah. I mean I'm just like there are certain
0: people who come up and have like they represent cert- sort of certain attitudes mm. and then <laughs> then this happens. Mm-hmm
1: yeah and like it's uh i i think this is like fine i but but i'll be honest like when it's just a huge chat log of like two people flirting with one another that's not interesting to read no not particularly (laughs) i mean like i and and that's not me being like oh i don't i don't like the romance but it's like it's not even romance or even like relationship building it's like like you just said like this kind of repartee back and forth it's like uh, you know, watching like a 1948, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> drama, and and it's just like you know whatever two classic Hollywood actors like batting it back and forth. Great, to, and that's like awesome when you see it in a film or something like that. But reading it in text form, and it's like beneath these layers of irony and back and forth, it like it feels very true to life. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels you know I, I you and I were chatting about that 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 these really feel like online flirty conversations. But, like, as far as, like, do, do I want to sit and read through all of that? Well, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess if you're, like, really invested in these relationships, if you're, like, reading this organically and you're reading it at the time and you're, like, really enjoying these people, this is probably awesome. You know, it's it's very—this is the, the bread and butter of the soap opera, mm-hmm. right? So we know that this is a popular form. Uh, will they, won't they, and if they do, how does it happen? Like, that's what's up. I totally get why people would enjoy that. Um, but because I'm not particularly invested in any of these romantic relationships, um, you know, it's not as if I'm reading this and being like, yes, finally, Terezi and Dave. Mm-hmm. I read this and I think, oh, that's interesting. Terezi and Dave. Oh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, there's a
0: great thing that happens in the thread where people start arguing. I mean, this is when, uh, as I said, you can start seeing like lots of stuff really happening. Uh, people start arguing about shipping like conceptually. Uh, like I, I, posted this to twitter but there's a person who's like got this big long post where they're complaining about shipping and uh, one of the points that they raise is that and fandom like drops the important part of the word relation uh in order to focus on shipping as if
2: that fucking
1: matters <laughs> like what uh but anyway uh yeah they turn all relations into cargo ships for ideas to yeah right it's like all right buddy like let's
0: not oh uh but yeah so there's that uh but then uh to, to, to sort of underscore some of some of the um crossover that even Hussey has pointed out uh, in the previous forum springs that i read um there are people who are like oh right teresi dave That's cool. Like, I'm glad that's canon. I'm glad that's in the story in the same way that there were people who were very happy to get like a a Karkat-Terezi confirmation Mm -hmm. uh, back in the in the previous reading um so this opens the door to like there are people in the something awful thread uh I didn't mention this last time but people were in the thread speculating about uh carcat's romantic feelings toward various characters um does Kanaya have a crush on Rose that would be interesting um and uh now here in the same thread we have uh this m- massive breakdown over the fact that like shipping is happening and then you have these other people who are like well is romance speculation about you know uh, relationships that have been canonically confirmed within the text uh, and and if we can speculate about where those relationships might go is that fine right because I think that's probably different from shipping where you're just taking two random characters who don't have anything to do with each other and then imagining them in a relationship so all of these like uh, uh, fine grained <laughs> arguments and justifications for how uh, we're doing it different right
1: mm-hmm. the theory of the ship uh-huh <laughs> I mean, that is interesting, I guess. I mean, I don't I don't know what the, the stakes of that conversation are, but <laughs> that that is uh, definitionally interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just I pointed out right to to sort of uh, further emphasize this ongoing point that like Homestuck uh, changes its audience. Right. Or like has an mm-hmm. effect on them where uh It is built to suddenly make you have these conversations or to like, uh, make you reveal your investment in these things that you might've been hiding all along. So one of the other things that I didn't mention last time that I could have is that, uh, that was, uh, during that chunk of reading was the point where in the something awful thread, um, people started revealing that they were coming from other communities, right? They're saying, well, up until recently, I was mostly following the comic on, uh, like, uh, 4chan, right. Um, on, cause mm-hmm. co, uh, the, the comics board on 4chan had like, you know, regular threads about, about Homestuck. Um, and they're like, well, I found that really grating. And so I'm actually much happier being here, uh, on the something awful threads. Uh, meanwhile, Other people, I already said this, you know, there are other people who are delving into the official forums, uh, doing fan art roundups and then posting them in the essay thread. Uh, Mm -hmm. This has gotten to the point by this by this section uh, that they are posting Dropbox links. Uh, or like media fire links to zips. This is how much fan art is being <laughs> now corralled and posted. Um, wow. The other thing then uh, to briefly mention is, I think by this point, the Homestuck Reddit also exists. I think it gets started in uh, uh, July of 2010. Um But then uh, one of the admins from the MSPA forums shows up in the Something Awful thread to talk about things that are going on in the uh, official forums because people from the Something Awful thread are registering for the official forums and starting to troll uh, people on the uh, official forums. And they're getting mm. banned, and then they're coming back and having discussions in the essay thread about what they got banned for. And the admin is there to, like, basically shoot the shit and be like, you you didn't actually get banned for that. That's not what we that's not the rule we executed that on. <laughs> hmm. So all of these uh, segments of the online readership that... Uh, very often are taking themselves as being like distinct and uh, discontinuous from other parts. Uh, They're all running into each other explicitly now, um, but had been also, I think, running into each other implicitly uh, even before that.
1: Well, so there's a big so this is 2010. There's a big hole here
0: for me. What's Tumblr doing? It's weird. No one's talking about Tumblr yet, and I don't know. Right. I'm not sure if yeah. I if I even have a Tumblr by this point, I must have gotten a Tumblr around around now, maybe sometime late 2010, early
1: 2011. Mm-hmm. But but I but that's interesting to me, right, that that we so strongly, I think, now associate Homestuck with Tumblr. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just never come up organically. Right. And and I think we would even associate certain parts of the homestuck fandom with tumblr oh absolutely you know and and kind of the tumblr both aesthetic and the broader movements that happened over there and then like the way that discourse and like call outs and things like that circulated on on tumblr in a way that they they didn't circulate in forums you know that there's something about that platform that transformed the way that people kind of talk to one another and uh i yeah the fact that that it has not showed up yet that these things are kind of uh Wholly, uh, I don't know, hermetically sealed from one another, it seems like. Uh, pretty interesting. That's an interesting historical point in and of itself. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, t- Tumblr is definitely going to start coming up, but historically it has not come up yet. Like, I'm sure fandom is already existing on tumblr as of you know Mm -hmm. fall winter 2010 um but it is not the chatter is not such that it is working its way up through the official forums and then into uh you know the something awful thread
1: yeah so does the do the ms paint forums or whatever the ms mspa forums Mm -hmm. do do they get closed at some point well i mean obviously that's probably far in the future Mm -hmm. but
0: uh there is a uh a server migration that happens that goes wrong and that's what obliterates them.
1: <laughs> what a homestuck thing to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, this was the era, I would say 2008 to 2013, 2012, 2013, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. of the uh my server failed to migrate, my my hard drive crashed, uh, explanation of anything. Mm-hmm. Like anything you want to get rid of or destroy or whatever, uh well, the server server failed, uh, my hard drive broke, whatever. <laughs> uh, it was a time where you could really get away with that because backups were, I mean, they existed obviously, but were not, especially in like the the hobbyist space or whatever. You know, I, Dropbox was just now, as you just talked about, Dropbox is really only now taking off, and before that, we were using things like MediaFire.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: good luck with that hundred megabyte uh, <laughs> upload, right? <laughs> you know, uh, limit or whatever. Um. But yeah, this this was the time I remember lots of that kind of stuff happening. One one very famously. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I guess that might be a good segue to talk about databases and how they are the media format of the future. Wow. Yeah. The future past. Yeah, the future past, according to our, our old friend uh, Lev Manovich from Game Study Study Buddies. Uh, you can search out that podcast that Cameron and I do together, where we work through books of academic uh, game studies. Uh, in his book, uh, Language of New Media, Lev Manovich uh, talks about a bunch of things. But one of the kind of central uh, uh, positions that Manovich takes uh, is that uh the the ultimate uh sort of like uh fundamental form of the new media artwork because that's what broadly speaking that book is is really interested in is like what do new media afford for kind of um you know avant-garde and sort of emerging artistic movements and so on um mm-hmm. for manovich uh the the key term here is the database um which he sees as uh, emerging from uh, longer traditions of media and multimedia history in particular to, to uh, use um, a, a, I think a, a good example is uh, like the photo album, right? Is kind of the predecessor of the database uh, because it is a book that is filled with objects or points, um, but all of those photos are or are or could be as significant as any other object or point. There is no necessarily necessary logic in a photo album that tells you, like, if you read these in order, it tells you a story, or uh, one of these pictures is uh, more important than another uh, because it's just a, a sort of Container to hold discrete objects. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, just to quote Manovich here, the world appears to us as an endless and unstructured collection of images, texts, and other data records. It is only appropriate that we will be moved to model it as a database. So there's a, a, a Manovichian move here is that uh, new media both emerge uh, and provide a vocabulary for talking about the ways that humans apprehend the world, but then it also in a you know, Mobius kind of way loops back around in um such that like oh we invented the database and now suddenly the entire world looks like a database right all information all history uh in theory could be uh uh, typed catalogued classified and entered into a database uh where there is no specific uh narrative or trajectory to guide you through this information in fact it is like the construction of the container uh that holds this information uh, and allows you to access it in uh, various types of ways, right? That's really like the new media objects point. Uh, the new media object, again, quoting Manovich, consists of, w- consists of one or more interfaces to a database of multimedia material. Uh, a little bit uh, after that, quote, as a cultural form, database represents the world as a list of items and it refuses to order this list. In contrast, uh, a narrative creates a cause and effect trajectory of seemingly unordered items, events, right? Parentheses. Therefore, database and narrative are natural enemies competing for the same territory of human culture. Each claims an exclusive right to make meaning out of the world. Uh, This is a thing that uh, if you go back and listen to that episode of Game Study Study Buddies, uh, I at least uh, take issue with this idea that database and narrative are natural enemies. Um, Although it's a big part of Manovich's argument, uh, basically, you know, saying that uh, the the database uh, is going to in some way outpace narrative and people who are interested in narratives are not thinking correctly when it comes to databases. Um, And, you know, one of the reasons I object to this kind of characterization is that I have access to something like Homestuck, which I think Mm -hmm. is uh, playing the database and the narrative against each other. Uh, Like, that's what it's doing, right? Like, that's one of its engines. And we've hit the point where I think that becomes extremely clear um, where uh, Homestuck as an object is a bunch of heterogeneous stuff. The early acts are not like these current pages, right? Which is not quite exactly like the troll act. All of this stuff is different and weird, uh, and the the part of what you are doing as a reader of Homestuck is, like, working through all of this information and then trying to fashion your own interface for what you may think is most important, whether that's, uh you know, the the cause and effect of narrative of how the game works or whether or not it's, like, characterization and ships. Um hmm this is also for, you know, what it's worth, uh mirrored precisely in the character's own relationships to their reality. This is how Skya apprehends uh, you know, the history of Earth. All of history is just a bunch of discrete data points um that happen to have an order to them, uh but the ways that Skya can like get in there and manipulate stuff or like lock itself into the database. Uh it, it, it uh doesn't it doesn't rely on the linear logic of the narrative, right? It in fact relies on kind of this uh, multi-part logic of the database, in the same way that like the trolls can look at the kids' entire timelines and and bop around and 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 talk to them at various points in their adventure.
1: Yeah, I mean this is like the logic of the demon too, right? Mm-hmm. That the demon can uh, it uh, because it's a time traveler, it can intersect at any given point and then create the conditions of its own winning Mm -hmm. you know whatever um and so because time is not a progressive flow of things from moment to moment where uh uh it's a bunch of snapshots in the photo album Mm -hmm. right it is not a river that you can't step into twice right i guess that's two kind of different models of thinking about time or ways of thinking about time but you know the photo album never changes Mm -hmm. Uh, the photo album is always the same which is why there's so much could uh, you know uh I was going to say ink spilled, but uh, (laughs) words typed (laughs) Uh, 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 where people, you know, especially the trolls being like, well, I know this is true, but I can't change it. So I'm going to do it anyway, even though I won't listen to me. And and, you know, the comic is over and over and over again, hammering on this paradoxical kind of reality that they live in of. Um, I know what's going to happen and I'm going to do this anyway. And, and I understand why you would do that. Cause you, if you're playing in a space that's kind of complex like this, you do have to keep telling the audience what the rules are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, that, that is a big part of it. And that's, you know, what we were talking about in the last part of zone. That's kind of Hussy's method. If you constantly tell the audience what the rules are, then when you change what the rules are, you're just, you can just keep telling them, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the moment of explication is also a moment. That's an opportunity to change things and, uh, you know, how, how things are operating and you just have to kind of go with the flow. What can you do as an audience member? Get mad about it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, post on the forums about it? Great, the trolls won. mm mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but, but there's something, um, you know, I don't know, really, really interesting about that. And I think that's also, you know, when I was talking about in the last uh, part of episode about like I probably would have stopped reading here. Mm-hmm. I think a big slowdown for this is that if at every turn characters are talking about how what is happening doesn't really matter and we're just kind of watching wheels spin and, like, that's the fun I'm supposed to be getting here is watching the wheels spin to see what happens even though everyone knows what's already happened, I th- that is, like, a big, larger deflationary move, mm-hmm. um, you know, to... I would say probably to manage expectations. You know, if I'm thinking like really pragmatically, hussy style about it, mm-hmm. uh, that's a really easy way of managing expectations. That yeah, you think things might go some other way, but also increasing speculation. You know, obviously some characters think they really can beef it up and do stuff. Rose has got something going on here, mm-hmm. um, and uh, someone else does too. One of the trolls kind of keeps pushing on it too. I guess Carcat, mm-hmm. uh, even though he is one of the people who is also saying nothing can change. Mm-hmm. This
0: is uh, also a point where people start really complaining about the pacing of this thing. Um, hmm. And it is, you know, uh, zeroing in on something that you've outlined here. Like we are seeing a a uh, big shift from here's a bunch of kooky game mechanics that lock in together and that are going to like send us on this bizarre romp of a, a like largely stupid paradoxical uh, plot through through uh, this fantastic land called the medium. We're switching over from that to this story about characters like they're still in that world, right? Still kind of doing those things. Uh, but those things have been pushed so far into the background that we're just seeing like so much of this uh, chunk that we read is just the characters talking to each other and and sort of mm-hmm. just, you know, rambling about stuff. Um, so that's, you know, it in big picture, in the macro, that's one way in which this is evident. The other thing then to keep in mind is that when this is being produced serially, you're getting like one of these conversations a day or like half of a conversation. And then another half of Mm -hmm. a conversation the next day, sort of dripping in piecemeal. So people start getting uh, really impatient. They want it to get back to the plot. Uh, there's uh, there's a bit sort of earlier on, uh, at, a se- at a point earlier on in this reading where someone is like, we haven't seen Dave in like a month. What's Dave doing? What's happening? Uh, which I think is a, a fair kind of question if you're reading this serially. Uh, but one of the weird effects of it sort of archivally uh being able to sort of read this all together and know that like, yeah, the next scene, like after the next changeover, we get like three Dave conversations in a row. Um, is that it is like watching an episode of a TV show that stops to buffer every 30 seconds. <laughs> Right, like, because that's, yeah, kind of, yeah. Right, that's sort of what's happening, is like, you know, like, <laughs> uh, it's like, you know, Tony says something, and then it stops, and it buffers, and then you have an entire day where people
1: can be like, where's Meadow? What's Meadow up to? <laughs> what is Meadow up to? Uh, yeah, that's actually interesting, because uh, this is the still the time when YouTube had a maximum upload length of 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. So so this kind of piecemeal content is, like, everywhere at this time, too, mm-hmm. other than, like, broadcast TV.
0: The overall form of the story, I, it's, it's a strange thing, right? For me to be able to look at this thing as it is now, as it is finished, and see kind of uh, – frankly, I'm going to say this, like, it is actually – really well constructed right like there is a there's a, a clear logic to for instance the the whole thing about the buckets right the the bucket thing comes up we're remem- like that establishes something about it um you know back in the troll act we were given given the little breadcrumb that buckets have something to do with troll sexuality now the bucket comes back up we're reminded of it and then it uh sort of proceeds immediately the scene where Kanaya and Rose have kind of that first awkward interaction where she sees the bucket fall on Rose's head because John pranked her. Um, and as you're reading that sort of archivally, it all kind of like fits together. It's like, yeah, this is how stories work. Like a piece of information is set out. Uh, you, you sort of take note of it and then it's relevant in kind of a following scene. Uh, when this is spread out over like a week and a half or something, um, the, the feeling of that is just like lost, right? It's, it's, it can be difficult, especially when uh, you are one of several thousand people (laughs) who are trying to talk Mm -hmm. about this thing. uh, And everyone has different levels of retention and remembering like what happened just now versus like, what's, what do they want to happen next? Right. Can I wish it, can I wish it hard enough that Dave will be the next update and that sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of uh, complaints about the pacing uh, and then Hussey sort of responds to this on form spring uh, saying, well, I'll just read this, right? <clears throat> this is the question. What's the deal with, uh, They use an ableist slur here about uh, the the storytelling style, and I'm not going to use it. But, like, what's the deal with the storytelling being all messed up now? I understand that using the format for Hivebent, but now that we're with the kids, uh, must we still have micro time jumps and have every statement be enigmatic? What happened to the slow build and discovery? Hussy responds, What's the deal with the phrase? What's the deal with? The deal with it is what you see and read. That's how it is. Were you expecting absolute reversion to earlier story progression rhythms? You were wrong to do so. What is it about the story, this format, or this website, which you would which would make you anticipate static, unevolving patterns. Is there criticism and disapproval buried in your question? Yes, that's cool. But if you've made it this far, you should now be familiar with the concept of storytelling in a state of perpetual flux. Your observation strikes me as a little obtuse. I believe the reader is well prepared for every shift in the nature of the story's unfolding. There are primers on what to expect along the way. Very early, when we first met Dave, we began a humble exercise in non-linear storytelling. Conversations we had with, he had with John and Rose, then revisited from an earlier time frame from his perspective. Some non-linear revisitations with Jade's story as well, it wasn't just messing around, it established that time was something to be tinkered with in this story, more intensively as we progress. The Midnight Crew intermission was a primer on the complicated time travel dynamics taking center stage, center stage in the story. It was a tangent, quite silly and convoluted, but very good preparation for the concepts to follow, which have dominated the story since. The Troll arc was a very aggressive primer on completely off the rails, non-linear story progression, which has somewhat extended beyond it into the main story and will continue to do so. All of these primer concepts are now firing on all cylinders at once, and the word primer is the title of a very very complicated time travel movie which i have not seen seen yet i imagine watching it would serve as a decent primer for reading homestuck this is what the story is there is no quote real story i need to quote get back to as you imply
1: can you imagine taking like a creative writing class with hussy mm-hmm. and being like hey i just don't know about the relationship between these two characters and then just getting this monologue mm-hmm <laughs>
0: <laughs> About how actually uh the fact that uh this is uh confusing and disappointing to you is is part of the part of the whole thing
1: mm-hmm. and
0: is it your fault
1: <laughs> for having expectations which were then set by the thing you're you're actually reading uh what I, yeah i i I don't know i think it, it it probably at the end of the show we will come up with some like bullet points of what is how does hussy imagine that fiction works mm-hmm. and it is singular and unique mm-hmm. <laughs> i can say that very confidently uh it's certainly but but i mean yeah i mean i guess i empathize with everything that that hussy says there mm-hmm. in the sense that like yeah, the the thing is evolving and changing all the time. And people probably should not be like, hey, go back to the thing I liked because Hussy's creating it in real time
2: mm-hmm.
1: and wants to make changes mm-hmm. and can. Mm-hmm. And so it does. I mean, that's like what someone who is making something, I think that's your right to do so. But also if you're creating like a mass media property and I understand that like, Hussy at this time probably doesn't think of this as a mass media property, and we don't think of Homestuck as a mass media property, and maybe mass media is not even the right word. Maybe mass cultural is important. I did look at some numbers that are on this sheet of paper that you provided for us, mm-hmm. and it's pretty damn big. <laughs> it's a pretty mass phenomena. Yeah, uh, there is some, in- you, you know, you're not making things for a thousand people. Yeah,
0: I mean, there is there is, a, there is a, an indication in the thread uh, that the MSPA website in the week that uh, the car cat flash gets posted um, mm-hmm. that uh, there were five million hits to the website in that week
1: does Hussey say that who says i that?
0: have no idea where that information is coming from it might have been so here's the other thing is Hussey joins twitter and is posting oh, about like server problems on twitter and that account is like wiped now Got it. so i think that might have been where some of that comes up uh but uh regardless right we are we are on a track for uh like i have some firmer numbers later on that i can i can talk hmm. about uh the the thing that is relevant here actually just to contextualize this about the the carcat flash. So, um it is supposed to go up on uh October 25th, 1025 of 2010. Um there are some technical problems with getting it finalized. Uh so Hussey isn't going to be able to post it on time. Goes ahead and starts posting the pages afterwards, so everyone is kind of like a little like everyone's real hype because we're like, "Oh my gosh, a flash is coming." Um, and no one knows that it's going to be a walk around. Right. No one knows what this is. Mm-hmm. So anticipation. Oh, it's not going to happen. We're just going to go with some pages afterward. Uh, technical problems get smoothed out. So then Hussey takes down the pages that were posted afterward, goes back, uh, puts up the the flash. It's called past car cat. Wake up. Uh, the site crashes. Immediately destroyed the site. Mm -hmm. Um, Immediately people are trying to like uh, download enough of it, like download the whole thing and get it rehosted somewhere else. Um, Someone downloads, uh, gets it downloaded and rehosts it on 4chan. Um, The ensuing traffic crashes 4chan. Uh, Now, someone does point out in the thread that this is this was a point in time where 4chan was already having some server issues for basically unrelated reasons. So this was kind of a, you know, straw breaking the camel's back situation. But like Mm -hmm. for a brief moment, right, enough traffic got redirected from MSPaintAdventures.com to 4chan in such a way that 4chan went down. Yeah.
1: That's pretty big. Mm -hmm. It's
0: a pretty big deal. So. Yeah, that that that's happening. It it's it's getting big, uh and then Hussey is sort of uh really committing to this idea that I mean, and I I think again that this is also justified. And this is this is the uh sort of stance that I end up taking at about this time, which is just like, mm-hmm. yeah, like this is <laughs> this is your story that you're telling kind of in your way, uh and I'm kind of here to see that because whatever's going on here is really interesting to me in in multiple directions. Um mm-hmm. But this uh, also thematically ties in or like Hussey wants it to thematically tie in uh, to something else that gets talked about in the form spring, uh, which is now uh, this is this is a story about the deconstruction of arcs. Right. Not only is there no real story to get back to because, uh, you know, there's there's a narrative here, but really we're kind of like building out a database where you're going to have multiple ways of interfacing with this object. Um uh, Hussey is going to start pontificating on this idea of character arcs, uh, and how they're basically bullshit. And we see this, uh, with Dave here, most explicitly where we're in, he's talking with Equius and he's talking like, you know, the game wants me to pull this sword out of the stone, like some King Arthur thing, uh, and he's just totally over it, not into it and doesn't even pull it out of the stone, right? Ends up kind of like cheating such that he breaks the sword and then he's walking around with, you know, half a broken legendary sword. Mm-hmm. Um, So Hussey is, uh, you know, trying to. Uh, do something with uh, the very popular, I think, in, in popular in general, but popular, I think, at least very much uh, in fandom at this time, this idea that characters have arcs and you need to follow kind of the arc, right? What what type of character is this? What sort of arc do they have? Uh, is it a hero's journey? How does the hero's journey work? Kind of a, a TV tropes way of thinking. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's a... a And this shows up as well in in the book commentary where Hussey is kind of trying to talk about how Homestuck is deconstructing, quote unquote, arcs uh, with regard to like John, uh, who seems like he might be the person who's going to have a hero's journey. But guess what? He's actually going to like muddle around and like flirt with Riska a whole bunch and then, uh, you know, get really sad about not being able to find his dad and thinking about how Earth is dead. Uh, yeah,
1: he gets turned in like a, into a baby halfway through his journey. Like his 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 brain gets obliterated. I don't know what happened. <laughs> right, like his mind gets replaced with some other character in the middle. I think that's a. Uh, I mean, sure, yes, this does happen. Mm-hmm. But also, it's like, well, you kind of stack the deck in your favor on that one, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is the revisionist mindset, right? right. Like, all right, well, we're back to John and he's, however, I'm writing him.
0: Right. Well, so, well, it's like, you know. I, I never really thought John was going to go on a hero's journey because, uh, how I met John was him walking around his room and struggling to pick <laughs> things up
1: yeah i didn't i didn't have a sense this guy was like gonna go for the gold from the begin with right right like he's not he didn't have to uh go out in in fact it's not called uh leaving one's home it's called homestuck right <laughs> and look i'm not a uh, i'm not a hero's journey expert or nothing but i think the first step has to do with leaving your home <laughs> <laughs> um but uh but yeah i mean that that makes a lot of sense and and what you're saying here too about dave uh being the kind of again deflationary character right you think these things are going to go one way and they go another um dave really starts reading like an author insert here Mm -hmm. um and it's funny that hussy has their own author insert (laughs) um and yet still does uh you know use dave this way but dave is like constantly being like oh yeah you got a shipping grid he mentions that here um he mentions the quadrants and like how they work and like he he is the person who is constantly saying uh uh, I know there's frameworks that you think this all fits into, but it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Ha ha ha. Or making fun of people forfeiting in those frameworks. So uh, it's not shocking to me to find out that, that Hussey has some like strong feelings about that kind of narrative development because he's got a character who exists seemingly in this part that we read for, for this just to obliterate that stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's really all Dave is doing in flirting. <laughs> I mean, yep, yeah, that's,
0: that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, other kind of like plotty things that uh you were interested in or
1: uh let's see here yeah uh i mean john so okay so what's happening here is that john briscoe wakes up john and then starts him down a path of doing something bad Mm -hmm. she's manipulating our our, my beautiful boy right (laughs) uh and and doing something bad to him and makes him dress like her uh-huh that's that's interesting <laughs> i don't know what that i don't know what's going and maybe that's like a. I mean not maybe that's a real teenager thing to do mm-hmm. you know I, I i think there's some like real um you know borrowing from the well of personal experience going on here maybe if not hussy then someone uh, they know right mm-hmm. i mean because we all know people who uh you know, as a, as a teen, or maybe most of us or some of us know these people. You know, they start dating someone, and then they start dressing mm-hmm. like them. They start looking the same and acting the same, laughing at the same jokes. Um, you know, I, uh, I imagine, uh, if you will, a big community of people all doing that, all focused on the same object, hmm. and then think, what if it were just a couple people? That's a relationship. <laughs> 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 but, uh, but, yeah, so that, like, makes a lot of sense to me, but, like, uh, you know, I... Uh, weirdly enough it's not a it doesn't go anywhere in this part right mm-hmm. i mean uh, the payoff isn't here yet mm-hmm. uh, it's just vriska doing something dastardly to john and we have seen vriska manipulate a couple of people at this point mm-hmm. um uh, long term and their emotions and things like that and so i'm sure it's going to end up bad for my boy john mm-hmm. but um uh, but that that is interesting and um you know it's kind of unclear if it's unclear how Vriska thinks, but it's very clear that John likes Vriska, and that is uh, endearing and sad. Mm-hmm. Also, how old is John? He's like thirteen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is this starts making things feel a little bit strange because right the the trolls are do, don't feel thirteen. You know, we've talked about that a couple episodes ago, right? Yeah. The, their interactions are not the interactions of thirteen year olds. Their interactions are the interactions of older teenagers Mm -hmm. and so so the way that that works out you got some weird feelings about it
0: yeah the the way like all all of the kids feel older now um feel like later teens at at the very least um they have kind of a I, i don't know how to describe it maybe like an elastic uh, teendom,
2: mm-hmm. uh, where oh, they can yeah. be
0: textually 13, uh, but they will be whatever type of teenager they need to be, re- uh, as the situation sort of requires. Um,
1: and Yeah, I mean, Dave has written, like I said before, yeah. Dave is written as an adult now. Mm-hmm. He is like a young adult. <laughs> and Rose is like in hero mode all the time. Mm-hmm. And so... Is basically, you know, an older teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, I, I, yeah, that elasticity, I think, is, is a great word for it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: just think about the alternate future uh, history past uh, where Homestuck started on 410 as it was supposed to. And so these are all 10 year
1: olds. Odd.
0: Yeah, Um, I don't
1: think I would enjoy that. Yeah,
0: I don't know if it would (laughs) lean in quite the directions that it does. Uh, No, but who knows?
1: Anyway, it would be like I like toy trains (laughs) because the difference between a ten-year-old and a thirteen-year-old is that's a that's a gulf of like mental and emotional and uh, uh, conceptual development. You know, like you're you're doing different things in the world. Mm-hmm.
0: It's very funny because there was a, a w- in the past, right? I read a forum spring uh, where someone asked Hussey basically, like, how would the story have changed if you did start this on 410 and all the kids were were 10 year olds? And Hussey was like, it wouldn't have. The, the age was arbitrary <laughs> oh, okay, to but... begin
1: with. All right. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting thing to say.
0: Um break time. Michael here uh, jumping in at the middle of the episode after uh, Cameron and I have recorded this at the end, and we're going to put it right in the middle and and act like it was always here all along. And if you uh, think that that's weird, then the problem's on you, buddy. Uh, How you can fix that, however, how you can fix that problem that is with you is going to patreon.com slash range touch and checking out some of the offerings that we have there, if you haven't already. Um, If you are already supporting us on Patreon, thank you so much. We are totally listener supported. Uh, we have no sort of ad budget or, or sponsorships. Um, this is all just kind of word of mouth and and us trying to get the word out uh, about ourselves and and the work that we're trying to do here about being fun to think along with. Um, So if you go to patreon.com slash range touch and give us uh, some amount of money, you can get access to bonus material from things like Just King Things, our show where we read the books of Stephen King in publication order, but also uh, more relevant if you're listening to this, our Homestuck Made This World bonus episodes, uh, where we have... uh, definitively at the moment, at least uh, bonus material where we talk about con air and also uh, problem sleuth, the predecessor to homestuck and how these uh, texts interact with the thing that we are currently talking about on the main show. And we have not chosen what we're going to be talking about in the near future, but I'm sure it'll be something super fun and cool. Uh, who knows? It's a mystery. You'll just have to tune in to find out. Um, other things that you can do then to help us. Uh, you can tell someone to listen to the show, you know, talk it up to your friends. If you know someone who is homestuck skeptical, uh, then tell uh, tell them that we are a homestuck skeptical podcast. We're not actually. We believe super hard in Homestuck, it's extremely not fake. Uh, but we're trying to build kind of a, a way for people to understand what this object is and why it is important. Um in many ways, uh, even if you don't necessarily want to go through with reading it yourself, we we want to be your companionable guides in this endeavor. Uh, you can also leave a review on your podcast platform of choice uh, for five stars. Um, and if you leave a five star review and, uh, you know, you say something fun and delightful, then Cameron will read it on air. Do you have another for us, Cameron?
1: Uh, I do. So the first thing I want to say is I was looking back through our five star reviews and I, I want to re-extend my invitation. If you're the Teenage Dave Cosplayer on TikTok who said that this was the worst podcast you've ever heard, I'm begging you to come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put you right here in the ad break. Mm-hmm. But here's a different uh, <laughs> The video. ad
0: break becomes a recurring interview segment.
1: Uh, yeah, with yeah. Teenage Dave Cosplayer. Okay, who if hates the show. Teenage Dave Cosplayer if you're out there. <laughs> yeah uh this is from iggy d thank you for digesting this so i don't have to this is the only way i will ever get any modicum of context from my irrevocably homestuck friends talk about this thing
0: see look it's exactly what i said (laughs)
1: it's paying off (laughs) uh so uh uh Pachu. Achoo. By the way, mm hmm, <laughs> like that's a real moment to me where I was like, Oh, like this this thing is playing with the audience in a way. This is uh 27 35, I think. Mm hmm. Let me let me skip my way there. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. So this is um, uh, Riska talking to to uh John, right? Mm hmm. And so John's using the, the backpack. His jetpack, and he goes "pachu" with a, a period, and she like very performatively, right? This is like real internet flirting. Is like frowny face with a bunch of eyeballs, and and he goes "ha ha," just messing "pachu," you know, because that's what John uh, does when he uses his rocket. He pachus. Well, it's and, the it's the eight O's. It. Oh, of course, it's the eight O's. Uh, and the exclamation point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the uh, but but right it's this performance of like the indroke there there is this kind of performed uh intimacy between these two characters um that John can't quite read you know, John mm-hmm. doesn't have a very good sense of like what's going on. At some point, I think is he talking to Carcat where he's like, "I think I like a girl."
0: Yeah, it's Carcat uh, <laughs> pulls uh, him and Dave because Carcat does not yeah. want uh, sloppy interspecies makeouts. I think is how he phrases it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and he knows that uh, Terezi and Vrisca are both working on Dave and John respectively. So he pulls Dave and John into the memo and he's like, "Stop flirting with these girls." And Dave is like, "Well, make me." And John is like,
1: "She's flirting with me." <laughs> 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 they, but but yeah this is also part of the thing too of of, of like i'm talking about all of this and especially the soap opera uh, soap opera ishness maybe is the best right word uh of uh of this whole thing you know from my perspective as like an adult man mm-hmm. if i were and you know the changing demographics of the readers of this really makes a lot of sense to me because if i were like 14 15 I, this, this, these sets of interactions here at the beginning of act five, act two, um, and some of the troll stuff too would have been just, you know, uh, feeding chum to the sharks, right? Like I would have been like, this is just like my life. Mm -hmm. I also have been a bunch of weird conversations with people and I don't know how I feel about any of them because my mind is being controlled by a, a series of, of juices in my body that I can't control. <laughs> <laughs> my, my glands are controlling my brain. Mm-hmm. Right. But Because, you know, I, it, it, this was definitely of, you know, 13, 14, 15 was definitely an era for me of like being on the internet and a bunch of chats. We've talked about this before. And like, a bunch of people who uh I talk to in real life in very different ways, and I talk to them on the internet, and like that's what the trolls and human kid interaction is all about here mm-hmm. of like how do you talk to people on the internet versus how do you talk to people not on the internet, and how do you become uh uh intimately familiar with them um mm-hmm. in, in this kind of like shared space shared culpability zone that they're all occupying mm-hmm. um so uh I totally think. You know, if if I'd been of the appropriate of of the roughly equivalent age here, it, it would have really, I would have been in this stuff for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing that I said to you when we were talking about this uh, is, you know, I it it didn't even register for me at the time like how well Hussy was capturing uh, this this way of talking to people online and flirting with them when you're not, neither of you is entirely sure if you're actually flirting, I guess, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, it's just text. You have to do a lot of sort of uh, projection and reconstruction of the other person's attitude and you have to learn uh, what. how does another person type when they're angry versus when they're happy, right? What are these things that they may or may not even be conscious of in, in their own styles of communication online? Uh, and then Hussey has this uh, really just brilliant ability to uh, use, like, the spacing of text, how long a line is in the chat log, right, to communicate all of these things.
1: Flipping from that. Mm-hmm. Unless you have more to say about Vriska and John. Uh, No, I don't. I think we'll have more to say about it when it, like, pays off into anything. But yeah. right now, I think, yeah, you know, this kind of, like vibe of it is really interesting i think you're right this kind of capturing is really notable Mm -hmm. Uh, because also these chats don't feel like other chats Mm -mm. like they have their own kind of voice to them uh in the same way that all the original kids all had their own very distinct voices now each kind of pairing in the chat has a pretty distinct kind of tone of the conversation Mm -hmm. and that's pretty interesting um what's up with the the stock exchange did i was that in the comic previously and i just missed it
0: uh No, it just got added like it turns out that Dave's planet has uh, the in-game stock exchange. Why? <laughs> uh, Why does that exist? I mean, it's a game, Cameron games Why have, would it have a stock exchange games have markets in them i mean i think this is the joke right is that it's a it's it is a sort of uh parody of like in-game auction houses and things like that mm-hmm. um the the humor here being derived from the fact that if you're playing this game uh literally everyone else on earth except you and your like handful of friends is dead so <laughs> <laughs> the only thing what? you have to manipulate are oh my god we get so many oh uh, i haven't even mentioned these we get the new consorts uh so we've we've talked about the salad allavanders on john's planet uh rose has uh, uh some turtles and dave yeah. has these crocodiles that are apparently running the stock exchange
1: well he has crocodiles and he's is it a bunch of other future daves that are hanging out with him
0: yes that's that's how okay. he's manipulating the stock exchanges he's using his yeah. time travel powers to come back at various points and
1: yeah, that's I I got it in like the textual way, but like the visual of the stock exchange, I was like, I think that's just a bunch of different Dave's wearing a bunch of different clothes <laughs> and like hats and shit. Um I yeah, I thought that was very funny. It, that's something I forgot to mention in the last part episode, but it really stuck out to me here is that um Suburb used to be the Sims. Now mm-hmm. Suburb is World of Warcraft. And mm-hmm. Sagrub was World of Warcraft. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it had this adventure element the whole time, but so much of the early set part of Homestuck was around like creation and combination and choosing what to do with it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the mechanics of the game that we have focused on since the very end of Act 4, I guess, are almost entirely adventure game RPG stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that showed up again with uh, Vriska's extreme role playing and all that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but that really stuck out to me here is that, that now uh, Suburb and the medium and all of its kind of gamey mechanics, it's so much more um, uh, World of Warcrafty. It's, it's an MMO more than it is anything else where it always had kind of uh, pieces of other games in it. Uh, you know, it felt like it was before it felt like the Sims plus now it feels like World of Warcraft plus, I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing here is I, I sent this to you. I think, uh, the image of John walking with that bunny across the battlefield, I guess. Yeah. Is he on prospect? I can't remember. No, he's the uh, prospect
0: uh, got, uh, partly exploded. Uh, he's oh, on the that's battlefield. Right, that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Prospect got, uh, with Jade and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, that is maybe the goofiest image in this entire thing that looks so <laughs> comically goofy mm-hmm. of john dejectedly walking with his tiny murder bunny it really is the kind of thing of like i invented the murder bunny i guess i have to keep playing with that <laughs> like i guess that has to continue to exist uh yeah. and it's just like dejectedly walking across the you know the the world it's mm-hmm. so goofy it's Im- it's like i i derive secondhand embarrassment from looking at it <laughs> i i don't i don't care for it at all That that bunny with (laughs) blades and guns on it is the worst narrative decision I think I've ever encountered. It's so disappointing and bad to me. I hate it. Just wait until we learn its name. Um, Oh, it's probably uh, I'm not I'm not going to guess but (laughs) I I, I don't care for that thing. uh, Still.
0: All right. Well, opposed to that, I want to say that, uh, I don't remember which page number it is, but the first shot we get of, or not the first shot, but one of the first shots we get of Rose um, as this act begins, when she asks when she asks for her wands from her apprentice which is casey the salamander who john left mm-hmm. at her house <laughs> yeah. back in act four and uh yeah, rose took on... hood. <laughs> yeah uh, rose like took on uh casey as her apprentice and like renamed them a uh, viceroy bubbles von salamancer <laughs> yeah. and now casey is following rose around like wearing these like dark like magician robes i love this yeah. so much
1: yeah, uh, yeah, Casey is great. Uh, talk about uh, this is some other art that I find weird and strange. Any visual representation of Rose's face. Mm-hmm. What is happening?
0: So, you would notice, uh, perhaps, that I was wait- wondering if this would come up naturally or not. This is um, a
1: 2805 if you're playing along at home, by the way. Yeah. Is, yeah. is the one I wrote down in my note was, what the fuck is happening with this Rose face?
0: <laughs> so, uh, we get not just this from Rose, uh, we also get, um, yeah, so. Yeah, 2805, we start out with, uh, it's, it's a, it's an animated, uh, panel. We start out with mm-hmm. kind of the, the Earthbound style sprites from the walk around and that like shifts into, as Rose gets a message on her computer from Aroden, um, it shifts into like this more crosshatched, like, uh, representational style, like that Rose is, is drawn more like a human being in a sense, uh, but her expression is very <laughs> strange, um. And we're going but to her continue. face doesn't
1: fit on her head because her head is not actually human shaped. It's a cartoon character's head.
0: Yeah. So we're going to get a uh, 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 in this little chunk, we get uh, this type of art for each of the characters. Um, and everyone this is wild because this is this is one of the re- ways in which like the method of the show pays off. Like. This is a little closer to Hussey's, like what we might call natural style. I don't know if that's even a a thing that makes sense to say at this point, because Hussey kind of clearly can do multiple styles, Mm -hmm. um, has sort of like different modes that they work in. Um, If you look at some like an earlier project uh, like Whistles in the Starlight Calliope, um, you get something that is closer to how uh this looks i guess um in terms of like character design oh my god why are all these pictures so tiny mm-hmm. god damn
1: i've looked at some images of this before i thought about oh. it and reading it oh okay yeah
0: all right so just you've to already like spring it on you but i'm not going to <laughs> like, this is just like in whistles in the starlight calliope exactly i was gonna get you when the clowns get eaten hard pass Well, I already went ahead and uh, sent you that link. Anyway, uh, this is something that I'll probably, like, I don't know, put on the imager that I'm keeping where I'm showing (laughs) the (laughs) art. Yeah. Michael here, Uh, you probably just heard me say something about putting fan art in an imager for people to look at, uh, which actually would be really complicated and why on earth would I do that? No, I'm getting with the times. I've made a Tumblr to share the fan art that I reference in the show. Uh, It is homestuckmadethisfanart.tumblr.com. Point your browser there and you can take a look at uh, any of the pieces that I reference directly on the show. Um, And also just keep in mind that I have talked about some uh, extreme disturbing fan art and that will be up there too so just you know in general content warnings going forward uh but otherwise i hope you enjoy being able to look at the things that i am using my voice to describe thanks so much for listening Homestuckmadethisfanart.tumblr.com. Yeah, yeah. So, so Hussy has kind of a again what we might call this natural style, uh, or at least like this is the style. There, we saw some of Hussy's like uh, natural style art in the comic. Actually, if you go back to Rose's introduction, um, there are posters on her wall that are just mm-hmm. uh, sketches of characters that Hussy drew. Um, they're actually characters for an unfinished novel that Hussy was working on called Wizardy Herbert. Uh, which was mentioned for the first time in a recent Formspring response and I'll have much to say about Wizardy Herbert
1: when we get to a later point in the story I've heard a lot about Wizardy Herbert <laughs> I have I have I have heard probably more about Wizardy Herbert than anyone who has not read Wizardy Herbert ever has <laughs> uh because you and i've talked about it a lot well when when (laughs) when thinking through
0: alternate timelines right uh there is definitely some some version of the world in which uh homestuck never exists but wizardy herbert does and i am doing a wizardy herbert podcast (laughs) um but i'll I'll save that for the future (laughs) um so uh uh yeah there there's uh this style that Hussey has that is like closer to their normal or natural style it's not the the real point to be made here is that all of homestuck all of m s p a is a different stylization than what hussy uh has sort of typically done um and the thing that I did not remember uh at all in sort of my my own recollections of these events is that it is when these pages post when Hussey starts representing the kids in kind of something closer to their their normal artistic style. Um which this is, to be clear, this is not at all how these uh things actually look because of the sort of color palette of Homestuck. Um mm-hmm. but in terms of like proportion and anatomy, um, we're we're getting closer to to Hussey's normal style. Uh this like derails, uh, the something awful thread and derails the official forums thread. Uh, there is a person who, uh, is on both forums in the essay thread who is complaining because they're like, it's, it's like reading the same thread twice. Like everyone is complaining about this art style change. No one seems to like it. Everyone thinks it's weird and unnerving. Um, and they're angry, I guess, quote unquote, that it's happening and they want it to not be happening anymore. Um, mm-hmm. and like this takes up pages and pages of debate. Like, uh, I, I am not kidding. And and it's like it's interesting to that I Never, It never locked for me that this is what unites uh, these two forums, right? Or this is the point where we get like kind of the most... Uh, this is the biggest discourse in the forums thus far, I should say, right? Like this is the moment where it feels like uh, uh, as... Ra- like There are going to be points in the future where I remember the, the thread getting really rowdy. And this is the first time in kind of my reread that I've actually felt that rowdiness uh, starting to bubble below the surface. And it's such a weird thing for it to happen on.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, I will say, if the comic continued to look like this afterward, I would not continue to read it. It's (laughs) not fun to look at. And it seems like a big difference between the, like, whistles in the starlight calliope. (laughs) Mm -hmm. is the name? It seems like a big difference between that and Homestuck is that the uh these characters for the starlight calliope are a little bit more cartoony they're a little bit more uh you know on the iconic side mm-hmm. and rose here is like inching toward a realism that does not fit her head it's like you drew a hyper realistic face on a big cartoon character's head and it does not fit and it it looks bizarre it's also not shaded which i think might help you know uh it Making a choice between like pure flats or like pure shaded, like pseudo realism. Uh, this is somewhere in the uncanny valley between the two of those things. And I, it, it, it's not good. I think it's bad. Yeah. So I'm going to get uh, in the H- forum thread and yell about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Hussey has uh, a, a, a author note on this in the print book that starts on uh, page 265 and runs to page 269
1: wow shout him out mm-hmm.
0: um i'm not going to read this whole thing the but word
1: I'm... god <laughs> shout, shout out andrew hussey the word god yeah uh, never found something they couldn't go on about for 10 full pages <laughs> i say making uh 30 hours of podcasts a month <laughs> yeah hoisted <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> um so uh
0: i i'll probably excerpt some stuff here because it's uh interesting but uh the the relevant details to, to pull out um uh, you mentioned that this edges into kind of the uncanny valley, and this is one of the uh defenses of the style shift that Hussey uh offers here in in the author commentary notes. And for what it's worth, that's maybe fair because if you dig into like Hussey's work, like that is one of the like they are interested in how to intentionally draw bad art, right? Someone actually in the Discord just recently was uh uh posting some of like uh comics that Hussey had made that were specifically from a thread on their forums from like 2006 or something where it was hussy and all of uh hussy's comic making friends where it's just like here's the thread where we post like our badly drawn comics right Hmm. so you know this is not outside kind of the the realm of aesthetic play for hussy in general um but uh the other thing that i think is uh sort of interesting here is let me uh, well, so someone ends up asking Hussey, you know, what what is the adjective to describe your style? This happens on Formspring and Hussey responds Hus nasty, um, which is the word that is going to be used in this uh, uh, like author commentary note. So th- there's an interesting move here, right? Like uh, I have put in an art style that was uh, roundly kind of disliked by uh, at least two big, you know, Yelling forum threads of the fandom. Um, and now I'm going to sort of own that by calling it the Huss Nasty style. Um, Hussy says, <clears throat> I called it that because it's a bit nasty, isn't it? Kind of a raw, kind of raw, a little over-illustrated, and making use of a lot of jagged, aliased pixel edges for a hatching-type effect. It was uh, sort of the point to make it a little nasty, kind of aggressively incongruous with the other styles previously established. It is here that I will invoke a concept that I feel was incredibly important to the ongoing production of Homestuck, which I will call a creative power move. But before I go off the deep end about that, it's important to note that the drawings like this are introduced in contrast with the RPG-style sprites, blah, 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 blah. Um, that's partly the point here, right? Pointing out that, uh, the sprites are also used, right? The comic is quote unquote allowed to do this quote, uh, every time, uh, HS does something like this, it's widening its own umbrella in terms of what it is allowed to do stylistically, Which includes dramatically simplifying and abstracting its forms, uh, which implicitly asks another question, can Homestuck allow itself to go in the other direction, to render characters in higher degrees of definition, regardless of congruity, um, and so on and so forth. So, Things to, to note there, right? Hussy is already pointing out uh, something that was clear to me even now, which is that this is a story uh, or I mean, not even just a story, right? But Homestuck as an object is about like all of the aesthetic enjambment of different styles. Like I did not need to read this author note to, to, to figure that out. It was clear to me by seeing how often it has already happened in this story thus far. Mm hmm. So on that topic of uh the the creative power move <clears throat> uh So anytime I felt that certain people were getting overly comfortable with the way they assumed the story needed to be, whether it was the format, narrative structure, or art style, these little power moves were deployed as a means of, quote, pushing back against those forces. Um, It's a way to make frequent statements on the media's versatility, uh, but it also turned out to be a very effective inoculation against too many people uh, getting those overly comfortable, presumptuous feelings about what the story, quote unquote, needs to be in the first place uh the thing to Why outline here the
1: case yeah yeah sorry go ahead
0: oh I was going to. so i already told you right uh historical michael understands that this is all about kind of like style experimentation and and uh mm-hmm. you know what can i do in in this image and that image um what is weird here about this piece of commentary is hussy constructing a category of person who very well may have existed if they're not in the something awful trend. maybe they were on the the official forums but people who were like uh too comfortable with how consistent the art was or something
1: well it seems like something that is consistently coming up in the hussy author commentary is that if one is too comfortable or too happy with a, a work the work is bad mm-hmm like if it, 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 it's just you know I I don't know where that comes from for Hussey, but that seems to, to be like a really b- bizarre way of approaching your fan base, and maybe that maybe that's like the best way uh, you know that Hussey could find as the fan base grew to create this kind of. Um, frictional hostile i don't know i don't know what we would call what what you just read if not a hostile response it's mm-hmm. not violent but it certainly is a uh we are on opposite sides of a war mm-hmm. and uh i need to make sure you never get too comfy with what's going on here and and maybe the maybe you know this is this is my most charitable read of that maybe that's a stance you have to come to if so much of the investment in the thing you're making has to do with people wanting to get certain things out of it. Mm -hmm. And so to carve out the space for yourself of what you actually want to be doing as a creator, you have to really set up some hard goalposts of look, sometimes I'm going to have to push beyond this thing and to make sure that you are not, uh, hemming me into something that I don't want to be doing. Um, Which is something I think that we see with most mass nerd properties now. You know, I'm thinking about things like uh, the Adventure Zone or... um critical role, right? The, the way that that those works and I'm just more familiar with the kind of RPG space. I'm not selecting those out of the infinite things. I'm just more familiar with them. But the way that those things interface with their audience, uh, you know, I, I think that it's some places they've run into issues with not drawing clear boundaries, you know, and pushing beyond fan expectation and saying, look, like this is about what we do and you come here and engage with it sometimes on our terms, even though we're going to be kind to you or, or nice about it. Uh, the the way that Hussey puts it is is particularly thorny, I think, but maybe is, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it, it creates um, a certain beneficial relations that help a creator kind of make sure they can assert their own independence. Mm-hmm probably helpful in a general way but also kind of constructs your audience as your enemy (laughs) and Mm -hmm. that seems like a bummer (laughs) Uh, i don't i don't you know sometimes we get feedback on this show or you know uh i I, you know i see occasionally like oh why does he hate hate homestuck it's kind of a bummer to listen to or whatever and it's like uh, you know i that's like appropriate you can feel however you want to feel about it you know as an audience i think that's okay um you know i i very purposely come into this show not trying to kind of overcorrect you know my emotional reaction or my intellectual reaction to the to the comic um but i could definitely see you know even an in infinite you know orders of magnitude smaller audience my why you might want to do that <laughs> uh you know to, to save yourself even a little bit of grief uh, somewhere down the line so i totally get where the impetus comes from but like i would never conceive of even the person who disagrees with the, me the most you know, who listens to our show and every time I'm talking thinks, I hate this asshole. He's an idiot. I would never <laughs> think of that person as my enemy, right? Uh, we're like we probably, we, 99% of the ch- chance don't know one another, right? And I, mm-hmm. you know, even if you listen to this and you hate every word I say, thanks for listening. I appreciate it.
0: Me too. Uh, I also think <laughs> that this is kind of a weird... Uh, o- tactic to take so that uh creative power move that hussy talked about uh that that power is power mo- power move yes michael power move right uh as if like the audience uh stands a chance of maybe somehow stealing the narrative from from the person who is creating it um but the other thing like the that the other time that that phrase shows up in the commentary is when hussy is talking about uh oh the 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 weird troll breakdown in the previous episode, right mm-hmm. uh so when hussy comes in and like uh is stuck in the attic and makes the the all the troll romance exposition come through again, uh hussy in the commentary is placing that on the same level as uh putting in a strange new art style that people didn't like and which. May have been because of the way this whole entire thing is phrased, right? It, the, the argument here is not I tried some style experimentation and people did not like it. Uh, the It's I did some style experimentation. Uh, here is how it is actually kind of ugly. Uh, people had a bad reaction to it. Uh, and that was all part of the plan. Like that this was part of me experimenting uh, and like... It is unclear whether or not the the intention here, right, was to create something off-putting in order to uh, establish, I mean, I guess the intention is very clear, right, because that is, Hussy is saying that is what they did, but it's a really weird way to go about interacting with your audience. Um, and then there's a, a sort of second part of this that is really strange. Um, so Hussy goes on again in this very long note, talking about how, you know, one of the things that this does is it, uh, uh, it lets you uh establish that homestuck as a text is not uh going to be beholden to a kind of um smooth formal unity right mm-hmm. um yeah. Hom- homestuck is going to be a melange or a bricolage of things uh that's fine that's great i love it um and then the second part uh this is a little stranger um it, quote, it forces people to focus on what the artist intends as the most important aspects of the work. Showing the visuals as this chaotic variable sends the message that the specific visual representations are not that important and things exist on such a layer of abstraction that specific visuals may not convey anything that concrete at all except a hypothetical expression of certain underlying platonic ideals functioning as the story's (laughs) basic units, which then forces you to focus on the elements which are noticeably non-variable like the nature of the dialogue, the focus on characterization and profile (laughs) building, the examination of certain themes and ideas, all ideas of stuff that has no intersection with adherence to formalistic patterns, etc, etc, etc. Um, We may conclude that despite the extensive reasoning laid out here, the visual result of spontaneously dropping such an intense style into the comic out of nowhere could be regarded as, quote, goofy as hell. I kind of buy that take, but there are still some things I like a lot about it. And there's, you know, a little bit of, um, you know, it it ends on a a slightly mellower note than you might expect.
1: Mm -hmm. John Egbert is actually just a platonic sphere. And anytime that we <laughs> that we that we uh, that we put any kind of representation on it, it is just a, a fallen version of John's pure spherical form. Similarly, uh, Dave is a rhombus. Uh, mm-hmm. Rose is a a, a perfect uh, a, a pyramid. Um, Terezia is a cylinder. What kind of uh, oh, whatever? You know, so I have
0: I, more to tell you on this. <laughs> Okay. Fine. Right. All right. Um, well, actually, let's, let's. In the
1: beginning was the word, and the word was God, Michael. Like it's that level <laughs> the, of this of is like, so pseudo theology. Yes. So this
0: this is the thing to say right here. Um, what Hussie like this looked out upon the water? Yeah. This this folds into what I have uh called out earlier about Hussey's kind of um half a joking uh, kind of uh, assumption of a certain narratorial apparatus where uh, fictional characters sort of exist continuously off screen and an author is just like going through and like showing you certain moments and those moments might as well be random right that there is no uh, reason that the author is showing you things unless the author is maybe trying to manipulate you or something so if you feel like you're being manipulated you need to like imagine your way outside of what the author is showing you into places of the story that uh haven't been been shown to you and therefore definitionally don't exist um mm-hmm. right what this is doing is uh basically arguing that this piece of artwork that we are looking at has some sort of connection with a transcendental space <laughs> right like platonic ideals Right. Whatever the hell that means in this context, uh, we might think of this thematically as like hero's journey stuff or whatever. But like the the, the full stop point I want to make is that this is a, a way of apprehending art that requires you to understand art as a, a way of communing with something that transcends like material reality or your your place in space or whatever. Right. The story that you're seeing is not really the story that you're seeing. There's a story behind the story. Um, this is some Gnostic
1: nonsense, and I will not have it. So uh the- I will not have this this the Nicene creed <laughs> firmly the the, the council of what, what, uh, the diet of worms yeah. what was yeah. it <laughs> the diet of worms. It, it wasn't
0: about gnosticism that was not the diet of worms but
1: <laughs> no they cut out a bunch of uh, gnostic crap that was okay. in the bible yeah <laughs> they did that too right um, i'm having to fl- i'm having flashbacks to 15 years ago the last time i knew anything about this stuff but this is some real gnosticism stuff is what you're laying out yes and it's not being presented as like historical gnosticism
0: this is being presented as a theory of how fiction works and how you should interact with fiction what your responsibilities are as a reader um, and uh, fully sort of acknowledging and flagging that I've said that you can clearly see there are parts in the commentary where you are not supposed to take all of the commentary as literally true that Hussy is joking here and there uh, the point to be made is that even if you are joking you are laying this groundwork for people to come to understand your story your artwork as a means of communing with the transcendental <laughs>
1: Well, you know, and and the thing I would say here is, you know, to to, to pull us back from the precipice of the transcendental of the the one truth, you know, thing. I do think that there is something going on here broadly with the way that that Hussey conceives of stuff, both in this author commentary and just the assumptions that are are kind of uh, laid out here in the comic where uh, that there is a truth to character. And a truth to like the internal mechanics of narrative that has nothing to do ultimately with like the person who puts it together. Yes. Which is another way of phrasing what you said, right? But but there's a way of being able to to be like almost a pure formalist, right? Mm-hmm. And say by simply looking at the thing and bracketing the fact that there is a human being on the other end pulling all the gears and strings if we bracket that and just just uh, obliterate it that the the object in front of us does all of the work it, it arrived fully formed and this is a i i mean astonishing claim to make about something that is as networked and as tied to as many things as homestuck is mm-hmm. you know there there's something truly Uh, you know, talking about the great adversary uh, holding uh, the curtain down in front of our eyes, right? Like, there's something really (laughs) kind of beautiful and ironic about the fact that something that is so tightly knit with internet culture of its time, with references to other materials, would then be positioned by its very creator as not being attached to anything, of being, you know, a a kind of unvarnished access to a truth of narrative design. You know, mm-hmm. Vriska is her own independent entity running around, and we have to evaluate her as an independent entity rather than than the product of an author who is in conversation with a, a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The idea that the author of this work would tell us that this thing is hermetically sealed and then able to tell us kind of eternal truths about the way that we access the transcendental, which... Me saying that right now sounds bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that does not sound like I think I should be saying, but I'm literally just repeating what you have read from the author commentary. The fact that that can happen is just bewildering. That's <laughs> astonishing. And you know what? Golf clap for you <laughs> for accomplishing this. <laughs> like that's a real maneuver. I-, I couldn't do this if I tried. There's no <laughs> way I could do this if I if I wanted to. Um, and, 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 but then I do think that you set a lot of people up with a reading relation and, and we've seen that kind of thing, right? And, and kind of anytime that I'm running into the, the Homestuck fandom, I'm, I am kind of running into, I think a lot of really cool, this is something that's, sorry, let me, let me go back to the start of this sentence. Something that's very cool about doing the show is the number of people who tweeted us about it or tag in the range touch account or whatever um, and you're like, hey, I really enjoyed Homestuck and it was really important for me and I've really enjoyed the show because it gives me some context and an opportunity to, re- to revisit the work. Right? I think that's really cool. Uh, I think that's awesome. And, and shout out to all of you uh, who are enjoying the show. Thank you for listening. Um, the also interesting thing, though, is that uh, where the friction has come up between our understanding of the work and uh, some fan understandings of the work, which is that it seems like some people really do take hussy at their word. Mm-hmm. That, like, th- these are a bunch of just billiard balls bouncing around in a finite space, and Hussey, like, controls maybe where the, uh you know, the camera goes when these balls are pinging around, but ultimately they're independent. They're doing what they do, you know, uh, kind of divine watchmaker style. Hussey has set up the thing and then just watches it go and, like, is typing out all their interactions because they're so well-defined that the interactions kind of flow from them. And I just think that that... That presentation of hands offness on the part of the author is insufficient to talking about the actual object itself, right? I mean, I'm just a old fashioned materialist. What can I say, right? Like, I think uh, any analysis of art in the world requires us to talk about the movement of art and material in the world. Full stop. There's nothing more than the the material we live in. Unfortunately, uh, we, we live in a big old dead universe, and we got to yep. talk about how it moves around. Um, but so, you know, I'm, I'm not primed. I am, I am uh, disciplinarily, academically, intellectually, I'm primed to disbelieve every single thing that Hussey says about how they imagine art to work in, in the way that you just laid it out. But that doesn't say that that doesn't mean that I don't strongly appreciate the maneuver in the theorization. Cause I think it's very impressive, but I do think it has set up a lot of fans to think about this in a way that I just, I just don't agree with, you know, I don't, I don't think that's the way that art works.
2: Mm mm-hmm.
0: am And I agree, too. But I really like Homestuck. So <laughs> we're going to see this tension continue to play out in and through me, I suppose, uh, mm-hmm. uh, especially as things go on. Now, Cameron, I don't want you to give in mm-hmm. to astonishment. You never should. Uh, but I'm going to
1: Rob wouldn't want me to. Yeah. Rob exactly <laughs> would not want me to give into astonishment. <laughs>
0: but there's a little bit more to say on this uh, that I'm actually going to like retroactively work back to the beginning of the book in the author commentary, uh, because uh, one of the things that's happening in the author commentary, as I've already said, is Hussie is sort of like treating Homestuck as this finished project, uh, this database where, you know, I- information is constantly being ported in. Right. Characters are being referred to by their names before their names enter into the text and so on and so forth. Um This is also starting to happen in the commentary, where ideas from the commentary are being, like, reappropriated to talk about different things. Very early on in this reading, when Kanaya first sees uh, Rose, um, she gets, you know, I've already described kind of what happens in in that situation. Uh, She gets, you know, scandalized, and there's a a kind of throwaway line um, where uh, Kanaya sort of implicitly thinks of Rose as uh, white as a ghost. So uh, this this happens in kind of the third person Mm -hmm. uh, narrative dialogue, the black text that appears uh, below the panels most of the time, um, which is it increasingly or like. Narratively, right, uh, as a person who's just reading this story, you would be inclined to think that that is just taking uh Kanaya's thoughts and like transcribing them right because this character does not exist outside of like the text that is giving us uh, a purview into kind of this uh way of thinking, right seeing Rose and thinking that she mm-hmm. is paper white. Mm -hmm. this obviously because
1: she is visually for us she is in fact paper white
0: right or rather white as a ghost i should say um I, i i let hussey get me here um so hussey takes this moment in the commentary to focus in on the white as a ghost comment because it obviously uh is going to be relevant later when we have to talk more about uh the issues of race in homestuck like explicitly as they're going to show up in the text um but already kind of goes against something that hussey has uh Sort of tried to say, but not really said, because it was a, a shitty racist joke about how all the kids are a racial. So, uh, just t- to read this, <clears throat> Kanaya says Rose is quote white as a ghost. Well, Kanaya doesn't. The narrative does, which puts the statement at least one layer removed from actual observation. So pause. Right. There is uh, assumed here a division between a visual representation of the character or like the character herself and the textual uh, description of what that character does in the story. Right. So, oh, it wasn't Kanaya actually who thought that it was it was someone else. So in this obser- so is this observation literally true about Rose to our eye her skin definitely appears to be paper white but then so is her hair observed to be blonde once so are her clothes desk computer floor etc this opens up the question of what here is meant to be understood as literally white versus what is shown as representationally white Uh, i.e. non-literal expressions of blankness that the imagination can fill in as it pleases. This is a pretty interesting avenue of thought involving certain philosophical inquiries into the subject of blankness, how blankness can be visually represented, what blankness means, and whether a truly blank abstraction can even really exist. Uh, focusing on the abstraction issue, the question becomes, is what we're seeing an abstract representation of a general idea with a fungible set of characteristics that remain intrinsically unassigned and therefore are open to interpretation? Or is the presentation meant to be taken literally with concrete depictions telling us what is truly intended to be taken as unalterable fact and therefore not as open to interpretation? Um, as you might expect, this note goes on for several more pages again. Until we get to the point where uh, uh, Hussey says, <clears throat> uh, even when the kids are – if uh, paper white blankness is truly meant to denote an interpretive reality, then that interpretation depends on the reader, the walk of life they're from, their associations with certain social cues, and the way they parse the signals of racial coding and how much stock they put in it. If someone has hard ideas about character depictions always needing to be specific and fixed, uh, that there's no such thing as interpretational freedom or reader agency in creating the meaning of the text, then it won't matter if you draw a cartoon face uh, on a paper plate and shout, behold, abstraction. They won't get it, let alone accept it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is where we can see uh, this uh, weird platonic worldview coming into service for Hussey to uh, talk around, you know, just the the issue of like. How roses represented as white. Yeah. Like, uh, the only reason paper whiteness as a category exists is because Hussey has posited it and then uh, says, you know, well, of course, right, there are signals in culture. There are visual uh, 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 codings and things like that. Um, But if you are going to look at something and say, well, this is visually coded, uh, this representation is is visually coded uh, in this or that way as, uh, you know, uh, racially or some other mode. Really, that turns out to be your problem, because you couldn't imagine your way out of it being the thing you assumed it would be the first time you looked at it. All right. (laughs) Okay. Are you all right?
1: uh yeah uh, yeah. just like the theory of artistic representation here is like so corkscrewed around from it really is someone like coming up with a theory of art from first principles it's like reading like those medieval texts where it's like i'm going to determine now what a duck is Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then it's just like pages or or, like this is a better thing of like uh what's the it's the Bering golden book about werewolves Mm -hmm. (laughs) of like what is a werewolf all right let's examine everything that we since we know werewolves are probably real Mm -hmm. let's figure out what a werewolf is from first principles and it just like goes off into all kinds of interesting and you know strange theorizations um but the difference is is that the person doing it here is the producer of a wildly popular Mm webcomic Um and uh seems to at every turn double down on this very idea, mm-hmm. um. It, yeah, if you read these characters as raced, it's your problem. Mm-hmm. Seems to be under under theorized on 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 Hussey's uh, side.
0: Yeah, it, it's uh just such a, a again hostile right. It's a hostile relationship mm-hmm. with
1: the reader, uh where it. Hey, what about uh, Bill Cosby, by the way? Oh, I mean, you know, Bill Cosby. Is Bill Cosby platonic? (laughs) Is Bill Cosby a platonic form and we don't have to think about it? Yeah,
0: Bill Cosby shows up in this comic as a drawing and uh, guess what? He's got brown skin, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and sort of the the argument that gets uh, Hussey out of this is that, well, you know, Bill Cosby is Bill Cosby. Uh, he gets to sort of, I guess, platonically exist on his own as something outside the text. Uh, but the kids are the main characters. And one of the things that I didn't mention about the Hus Nassi style that we get to see now is that the kids don't have, uh, well, Rose in particular has uh, uh, eye colors that, or yeah, her eye color matches her text. Uh, it's like purple mm-hmm. or lavender. Um which is, you know, obviously non-naturalistic, and sorry to spoil this for you, Cameron, but uh, Terezi, I think, has actually already gestured to it. Uh, Dave has red eyes. So... Right. Oh so, like, Hussey is like saying these characters have these particular physical details and then seems to be trying to sort of like, uh, uh, wedge it around such that, uh, none of the details we get, none of the physical details we get about these kids are, uh, really the true matter of how these kids are or look, right? They are platonic ideals beyond the ability for description. Uh, mm-hmm. Because look how look how non-naturalistic their eye colors are, right? So you're going to say that they're they're white people because they have purple ah purple and red eyes.
1: Um, can I do a, can I do a fun thing for you? This is for this is fun for everyone playing along at home. Okay, okay, you ready? You got your little app in front of you. Everyone, get your little app in front of you if you want. Okay, you don't have to. You can do it later if you want to. Mm-hmm. Type in two seven six six. Okay, that's the last thirty minutes of what we talked about. that's fun for everyone at home yep that's a little. That's a little visual gag for you. you've you got the little app in front of me, the unofficial Homestuck app, which we use mm-hmm. to uh, check this out. But that's that. That's what every bit of author commentary you ever had sounds like to me. I, w- and w- the spoon. And the spoon is culpability. I was going to say. Or, I was going to say, like, or just please, responsibility please. for anything. <laughs> please
0: explain <laughs> the schema here to me, because I want to know who is who in this representation. Yeah,
1: the spoon is just any kind of responsibility for anything that happens in a comic. Hmm. Yep. And uh, and the the other object. Uh, is uh Andrew Hussey and the poster is me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I'm I'm, I'm the little on. cow hand that's holding the the thing of baby mm. food. Yeah.
1: The uh well uh is that all you had to say about that?
0: Yeah, I just wanted to point out that uh Hussey like again, Hussey has kind of these various positions that they will take, um, whether or not it's convenient, and this is how these mm-hmm. uh positions kind of like lock together, right? Uh this this uh sort of Uh, Gnostic, Platonic way of uh, presenting fictional texts, that way of, that sort of philosophical outlook, uh, while it might seem charming, right, to imagine that there is something transcendental beyond our art, uh, can also be used as a tool to warp around and be like, and here's how uh, the real problem with race is that you just need to learn not to see it.
1: Yep. Uh... Right in the middle of the Obama years. Mm hmm. 2010 is a really interesting year to say hey, maybe you shouldn't think about race so much, don't you think? <laughs> There's some midterm elections that happen there. I think this is the second time I've brought up the midterm elections of 2010 in this show. Yeah, Uh, and uh, but I think the last time I told you to edit it out, so (laughs) this might be the first time for many. Um, Let me kind of warp this around to some other thing.
0: Yeah, go ahead, please do. I just wanted to get this out there.
1: (laughs) So, Lil Cal raised Dave.
0: Well, bro, by way of Lil Cal.
1: I I don't know. I think a locale might have subjectivity or something. I'm not quite sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we're going to find out.
1: Well, I've already been uh, warned. You know, I think maybe you cackled deviously when I asked, why does Cal have a dream self? And so got my hackles up on that one.
0: Because of Dave's unconscious fears of him from childhood, Cameron. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
1: All right. Well, Some sort of purple dreamer. Mm hmm. Uh, the, uh, so I thought that was interesting. Also, uh, speaking of race, um, Dave says the phrase quote, smug cracker parlor wiggle. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. If you think these uh, characters are raced, uh, it's, it's in your, it's in your head. Yeah. Uh, it's all fake. Uh, and, uh, 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 hashtag paper white. Um. (laughs) Uh, I do like when Vriska falls in love with Nicolas Cage. I think that's very good. That's very good. Yes. I find that thrilling (laughs) on some some level. Um, People talk about uh, that in the thread
0: like it's the funniest thing they've ever seen.
1: It's pretty funny. I don't think it's the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen, but it was pretty funny, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's amusing, but these are people like, like, I mean, and of
0: course, this is part of the the enthusiasm of Homestuck at this point in history, right? Is that like each move is kind of the 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 next coolest thing. But it's so funny to read like five pages of people just responding to that flash of being like, oh my God, hysterical. Homestuck can never top, or Homestuck has topped itself. And it's like, Briska fell in love with Nick Cage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, I, which is a very act one gag. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, that's very much an old, I can't, <laughs> that is an odd thing. Although I, I guess this is, you know, scalar thinking is hard. You know, Manuel Delanda taught us well. Mm-hmm. Scalar thinking is difficult. Hard to think about big stuff. And I guess something that is probably hard to wrap your mind around, but a thing that maybe is helpful for us going forward. And not your that you know the 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 platonic your not mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. your. This mind.
0: is our transcendental,
1: <laughs> yeah, the transcendental your. Uh, that every gag in Homestuck is someone's favorite gag in Homestuck, Mm-hmm. which is wild to think about, but makes sense. Uh, you know, at a certain scale, you know, every frame of Jurassic Park is someone's favorite frame. <laughs> If you think about it that way. Oh, Which that's pretty wild. That's a good comparison. Uh I um I, I something I think is really interesting here. We've already talked about it a little bit, but it's during the conversation between Dave and John and uh Carcat. Mm-hmm. And it is when it's it's the place where they're talking about the the shipping and pairings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but something I think is really interesting is when uh Carcat is kind of like he, he is explicitly as a character telling us that the stakes of this entire comic have changed. And it's like, you know, in the middle of a huge chat log, it's pretty weird to see it here, right? But this mm-hmm. is, uh, so they're, they're like talking, this is the part you were talking about. So, right. So, John says, Do you think that Vriska, this is on 20, 2790. John says, do you think that Vriska is going to try to make out with me? (laughs) And (laughs) Karkat says, shut up. I'm not answering your dumb questions about how much snogging you're in for, and I'm not playing interspecies matchmaker here. Seriously, what is wrong with you guys? I shouldn't even be needing to say, I shouldn't even need to be saying this. God damn it. It's not even like you don't have actual human females nearby to draw biologically viable mate sprite ships. Do I have to draw you a diagram? And uh, John says, Rose and Jade? So, uh... You want us to like date them? <laughs> Which, you know, occasionally, occasionally, get, my, my uh, beautiful boy shows back up here. And this is one of the few moments. But Carcat uh, says, Would it be real? Would it, would it really fucking kill you to consider it? Question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> uh, I mean, God, what do you even think you're doing here in this game? You're creating your own universe to go live in. and you're, And how do you think your species is supposed to repopulate itself, idiots? <laughs> and Dave just says, Dude, no just stop. <laughs> um, and they uh, keep going on from there, but this is Carcat being like, Hey, this is what the comics about now, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's about like big, big old gameplay thingamabobs, you know, uh, suburb got it, you know, Skya as a system, got to create new universes, the stuff we talked about at the beginning of this part uh, but, but for you in your specific use case, you need to be thinking about OTPs, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I actually looked up, I I looked up the origination of OTP, Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't do, I did like two minutes of research here, and so I'm sure that it comes out of like probably the fanfic community in the 90s, I would assume, originally, maybe even earlier than that, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there is a good old-fashioned... Urban Dictionary entry for it from 2005. Who oh um, so, you know, so it's well in the, you know, in circulation by that point. And I'm sure it was on Live Journal before that, uh, you know, uh, you know, in internet form mm-hmm. showing up, you know, very explicitly in fandom spaces. But, I, you know, because I was just curious about like, huh, that's interesting because, you know, this is really being sch- uh, schematized for us here, right? And they mm-hmm. like work through like who's related to who and like which pairings are acceptable. Like that whole conversation happens here. And uh and I was like, Oh, when do one true when do OTPs show up? And they are very much in the discourse, you know, um, well asserted at this point. And so, you know, this whole conversation's kind of in conversation with like canonical pairings and what does that mean and again i think it's a moment this is where the author commentaries are very helpful this is uh hussy laying this whole scenario out so that they can buck the trend right and Mm -hmm. break break the cycle as it were or break the uh arc of what otps might be i look this is pure and i i honestly do not know i try to be very unspoiled on things that happen in the future of this comic this is purely a, a cold shot I think probably 80% of these characters are going to get killed <laughs> and it's going to blow up. I think all <laughs> kinds of people are going to have relationships with one another and then Hussey is going to kill a huge number of them and obliterate that whole system because they're, they are so interested in schematics and who can fit with who here. The only logical outcome based on all the stuff that you have, have provided with the commentary is that the entire system itself has to be obliterated. And the only way to obliterate that system is by literally eliminating the capacity for pairing. So I'm going to say that a bunch of characters are going to die. We'll see. You want to talk about juggalos? Uh, What do you have to say about juggalos? Oh, Gamzee's so sad. Yeah.
0: Gam, Gamzee's, (laughs) Gamzee's pretty upset by learning that ICP Uh. is real.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, especially by this reading, I gotta come out and say, I think Gamzee might be one of the better characters in this whole thing. Oh yeah, what's what's? I've, I've flipped around. I think I was pretty down on Gamzee originally, right?
0: <laughs> well, no, one of the first things was you... I way into Gamzee. The...
1: It's been a minute since we recorded those episodes.
0: <laughs> I love the listener who's probably like, uh, who's just come in and is like hearing all of these kind of in close succession, yeah. so they can know that just two episodes t- ago, <laughs> I said that one of the things you did was like uh message me and say that Gamzee is. Is both uh, incredibly stupid and one of the best conceived characters in this comic oh
1: okay uh, yeah oh absolutely absolutely yeah the conceived part for sure like uh and i think i explained that in one of the partizodes right where yeah. it's like he is so singular in his thing but i just didn't think even in that point i you know i guess i'm recontextualizing but it has been like it's been several weeks since we recorded those episodes so i don't remember what my initial impressions even were uh but uh I, I just feel like the ceiling on Gamzee seemed pretty low.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like what could Gamzee really do? Uh huh. He's he's an ICP joke, right? <laughs> and yet <laughs> he's really paying off dividends. He's paying <laughs> off dividends in the same way, you know, all the way back. You, you know, I said that it seems like one of the reasons that people like Dave is that he has a lot of space he could cover. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the uh, he starts pretty low. And, uh, you know, as a, as a character, it doesn't seem like he could do a lot of stuff, but I guess, you know, he has a lot of, if you wanted to make him like an important person, he would have the longest distance to cover Mm -hmm. of like emotional maturity, blah, blah, blah. And so that maybe is why people like Dave feeling that way about Gamzee at this point, (laughs) uh, is that I I thought he was a gag, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of the singular object. And uh, he's having like religious experiences and mm-hmm. uh, you know, the universe he created. Gamsey is the uh, the first clown. Yeah. And ICP are the platonic ideals of clowns. Mm-hmm. And yet they are fallen. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Right. They're they're insufficient mm-hmm. to what Gamsey had in his mind of clown cult. Right, right. His His whole clown religion
0: turns out to be funneled down into (laughs) these two rappers on a planet that he created.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. And like, I think in his mind, right, he's like creating the ultimate clowns. Mm -hmm. And, And that's the wild thing, too, is that all clowns throughout history are actually just precursors to the insane clown posse. Mm hmm. Like, <laughs> right. Like it's a pair. It's a time paradox to make sure the insane clown posse were always invented. Yes. And they were inspired by the insane clown posse and a future past that is, you know, anterior to the troll existence by a bajillion years or whatever. The same place that game FAQs came from. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's the thing is that, that, that is what I think is so uh, powerful about Homestuck as an object is that it can produce as we were just talking about 30 minutes ago some of the most frustrating ideas I've ever heard about how art works. Mm -hmm. And then an idea that is so goofy at its core that it becomes truly sublime.
0: And this is, you're starting to, I think, get like exactly what keeps me coming back to Homestuck is precisely this vacillation between things that I think are stupid and frustrating. And then like just such a, like, such a beautifully stupid layup that you did not even know was happening that when the, when the shot is sunk, you are like, my God, thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, just everything that, that that he watches, miracles. Uh-huh. Oh, this, this uh, 2818 is the, what I'm thinking about, and this is also where we get kind of pseudo-realistic Dave face. Mm-hmm. But also, this is so much better. This is proportional to Dave's head. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I don't want to belabor it too much, but yeah, I, gamesy just can't haunted. This is on twenty eight nineteen haunted by the insane clown posse back there. Mm-hmm. And they're constantly building up and he just can't handle it. He's, he yells blast me and goes hero mode and says, this is completely pointless. And it goes away. Deflation. Of course, mm-hmm. but uh, like games, have his moment, mm-hmm. but I think that's great. I think that's a great uh, experience. I, um, uh, I don't I don't know where Gamesy could go from here, no. but I'm excited about it. Uh, Homestuck made this world, Cameron. <clears throat> this is probably is Gamesy. OK, Homestuck made this world. So Gamesy is Thor, who is <laughs> a central character and then goes away and then becomes a joke character. But then the ability to transcend like a bunch of shitty jokes is what makes uh, Gamesy so powerful as a character in the final calculus.
0: Let's check back in on that at the end of the year when we're finishing this comic. Okay. Just a couple of uh, uh things to note here at the end. Uh, New York City Comic Con happens during this this span of pages. Mm. Um, and Hussy has a booth there, uh, and there is a kind of uh, small bit of drama wherein a bunch of Homestuck fans come up and all together sing "How Do I Live" to Hussy. Uh, Right there on the convention floor. Yeah.
1: That's an awful thing. I hate that.
0: (laughs) Everyone in the something awful thread is like, oh, my God, why are fans so embarrassing? Uh, This is funny because this is fairly early on in this chunk of pages. And by the end of this chunk of pages, people are arguing about like ships and stuff to the extent that people are like, why do we keep talking about the fandom? And someone quotes that and replies like, we are talking about the fandom because we are we are the fandom. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we like the you know, the the, the worlds have been melded uh, to that extent. But here at the beginning, everyone is like, oh, my God, how embarrassing fans are. How could you do that to go uh, sing to a creator in person? Um, and then Hussey ends up having a form spring about it uh where they are actually like quite magnanimous uh and saying like, you know i mean you know it, it's a weird thing but like i thought it was nice they did that because they liked my comic and i had other uh artists coming up to me afterwards saying that they didn't have fans like that and i thought that was pretty special
1: <laughs> yeah well, yeah that's totally fine i i uh cool yeah but it, i would find that mortifying <laughs> uh if if anyone in uh <laughs> in the range touch of <laughs> Uh, sings to me. I will walk away. I will not accept it. (laughs) Uh, another piece of,
0: so people start talking about troll sonas now, which are, you know, your troll Mm. personas. Um, uh, these have been happening since the troll arc started, but there is actually kind of a delay, uh, in them working their way into the something awful thread. We actually have someone being like, wait, what's a troll sona? (laughs) And then within a few pages, everyone's posting their troll sonas. Um, we also get is there
1: is there like a pie crew builder or anything yet I, don't... I mean obviously not pie crew, but is there like a like a little tool to build one, or is it just people off the dome kind of coming up with them
0: I mean it's people off the dome at this point like there's not a, a mm-hmm. builder yet. I'm sure there's probably some sort of like tool that lets you do this now. Um, mm-hmm. Another fun piece of fan art that I just uh, sent to you to, to look at, and this comes from someone who is posting in the thread. This is original fan art. Um, this is the first documented instance I have been able to find. I'm sure this might have probably happened earlier on the um, official forums or in some other fan space, but on the uh, Something Awful forums, this is the first instance of something that I really remember for whatever reason. This is a blood swap where the artist takes the various troll characters and then redesigns them as if in this instance, right? Uh, what if, uh, Gamzee, instead of being his cast was the same cast as Nepeta? right? What if he was like the weird cave cat fan troll person and then redesigns accordingly. Um, this also has designs for the trolls as if they were humans. Uh, so, uh, the schematic nature of Homestuck for in terms of fan engagement is paying dividends now because we're getting all of these weird, like, uh, alternative never-could-have-been versions of characters, right? Like, mm-hmm. what if these trolls had different blood types or what if the trolls were humans or what if the, the human kids were trolls? What would they look like? Uh, and I just remember this because it was like, it made a big impression on me and it was mostly because my thinking was like, why would you ever even imagine that? Not even in a dismissive way. It was just more like, what?
1: Why? What? Yeah, yeah. the exercise is also strange to me. Like, I don't, okay. Like, these are cool, I guess. But like, I don't. I, but this was also kind of in the in the air, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if, uh, you, I spent in like 2008, 2009, 2010 was the explosion. And this is something I really associate with Tumblr. The explosion of like the Disney princesses reimagined as X Y Z, or like Disney villains as A B C, you know, and like some other uh, you know type of thing, um, you know, this kind of like taking, uh, I guess, schematic portions of a character and then reinterpreting them into into another context. And so it's, I guess not shocking to me that this happened. People were really into this kind of speculative exercise, mm-hmm. but yeah, I don't, I, I could not imagine the universe in which I ever did this. These are uh, very funny though. <laughs> um, I like the idea that games is just gamesy without horns as a human. Yeah. <laughs> he's got polka dot pants. for some yeah. reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cause he's still a juggalo, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, and that, uh, um, uh, uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, uh, two different color. Oh, glasses. uh, yeah, Solix. Uh that he has a belly shirt on for some reason as a blood swap.
0: Yeah, uh for some reason, so in this particular piece of art, uh Solix has been swapped with Terezi, and for some reason this means oh, he is okay. now wearing a belly shirt. For, yeah, he's got a little belly shirt. If, if you funny, haven't you read the that, comic but... for the
1: record, Terezi does not wear a belly shirt. <laughs> Oh, that's oh, that was my ask. I was like, oh, maybe Tracy has a belly shirt, and I just don't know that, but uh, okay, yeah, well, interesting. Uh, I,
0: I think it's, in, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting, and um, what I think is interesting about it in relation to Homestuck specifically is that uh, we are already getting the sense that this is a story about characters who can't make any. Actual choices, right? Everything that they do that deviates them from their main timeline is going to end in like desolation and death, uh, and that becomes the space of like fan imagination, right? Like, what if these characters were actually entirely different characters, and 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 things of that nature? And I think uh, I think that establishes because of the mechanics of Homestuck's like plot and sort of its its metaphysical like fictional world. Um, the resonance of like what fans do takes on a uh, particular like tonalities that I think are, are, are really fascinating.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that there's like a million combinatory especially because this like game has all these like knights of bing and bong <laughs> and, you know, seer of oof and doof or whatever it is, right? <laughs> seer like, of oof and I'm, doof. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I just, I assume that like people are playing around with all that stuff at some point, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And and remapping all of it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you create a big, it's uh, what Dave says in the thing, right? You know, uh, he says, uh, you know, you got to create a big shipping chart Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that people are charting everything. If you give people, this is what the internet has taught us over the past 20 years. If you give people an abstract schematic and some stuff to put in it, they'll do it yep (laughs) you know they'll put they'll put some stuff in a tier list they'll put some stuff in an alignment chart Mm -hmm. they don't give a shit they will put anything in any abstract schematic you have they will make one thing
0: be equivalent to uh, a woman and a man walking together the man is also another thing (laughs) and then another third thing is equivalent to a different woman who's walking in a different direction
1: Yeah, they'll make a butterfly and, uh, like, a cartoon animated guy into any two semi-related objects. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he'll be misidentifying that butterfly all day long, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, I mean, this is, like, this is part of the play space of internet culture. And so I'm not shocked that this is happening. Uh, Although it it is interesting, I guess, when, like, other meme kind of stuff in that way has, like, an off- like an outshot, I guess, of like often being polemical or rhetorical. Mm-hmm. This is just like, hey, what would happen if we ran the schematic mm-hmm. on this like finite set of characters? Yeah, which is like fun. I guess if you're invested in it, that's like a fun thing to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, just a a couple of other things then to touch on. Uh, there is uh here's a here's a piece of fan art. Let's see if this will uh focus. Nope, that's the wrong one. I just sent you the same thing okay. twice. Yep. Uh, People are like, you know, wh- what's what's the deal with Friska? Why is Friska suddenly such a uh, important character? Like, why is she constantly being shoehorned in here? And mm-hmm. uh, the sort of half ironic fan response is that like, well, obviously Hussey is in love with Friska. So this is kind of a, a, a thing that's going on right now. Uh, and here is some fan art of and someone asked in the in the discord, right? To what degree are people drawing fan art of Hussey? Well, here you go. Yeah. Here is fan art of Hussy imagining uh, being married to Vriska. Uh Dave Sprite is officiating and Lil Cal <laughs> yeah, is the what, best man.
1: <laughs> that's what I'm laughing. at. I'm laughing at Dave Sprite being the officiant for some reason. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone in the discord was asking if uh, people were making uh, like r- a real person thick about Hussey and maybe we need to hold on to that for a little bit longer, mm-hmm. um, uh, to, 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 we get a little bit further along. Um, but, but we will come back to it at some point, yeah. but yeah, um, yeah. I mean, as soon as Vriska showed up, it became pretty clear to me that this was like a pet character. Mm-hmm. Vriska doesn't operate like. Solix. Right. <laughs> right. Like if you, if you, if you're thinking about like the ways that characters can kind of walk across, uh, a work right like anytime that Vriska is involved we are getting a lot of Vriska mm-hmm. anytime Solix is involved we get uh, kind of some other people and what they're doing um, oh I guess we should talk a little bit briefly about that walk around uh, didn't care for it not for me yeah I don't like any of these walk yeah no
0: the lo- the walk around is fascinating people love it Uh, At the time. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. Uh, In the time between, like, in the five days, someone does the math in the thread. In the five days between that walk around going live and five days later, uh, there are 1,300 posts in the thread. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So qu- quite a bit. Um, uh, pe- and it's really, it's what we've described uh, previously in walkarounds, which is to say, you can just sort of skip it and everything that's important is going to be backfilled for you because it can't really control your experience. Uh, what it does do is it allows this kind of lateral space for a lot of character interactions. So for instance, um, someone we haven't talked a lot about, Faferi, uh, has a-, a couple of good moments in that uh, walk-around where basically she like pranks Vriska like it turns out that Vriska is actually really bad at reading irony when Fafnir is doing it. Um, and so there's just like this moment where this character who doesn't get to do much uh, otherwise, you know, gets a little bit over on uh, this character who's doing a whole lot in terms of the main plot. Um, there are also like lots of little like secrets and stuff hidden in it. People spend days trying to figure out how to uh, access all the conversation, how to hundred percent it. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, uh the artwork is really cool, I think right mm-hmm. Hussey has brought in uh you know out par- people from the art team uh to make these talk sprites uh not just the little uh, walk around earthbound sprites but like actual animated uh sprites of the characters like dialogue portraits um that look really really good
1: oh yeah they're they are like super nintendo quality mm-hmm.
0: it's like it's it's wild stuff right the the fact and i remember you know when this Uh, launched, like part of what was so uh, incredible about it was that like, this was just some webcomic I was reading last year. And now here we are, we have this high quality like sprite uh, artwork going into a it a game I guess again we don't we never want to get into hard definitions of what is or isn't a game but like there's there's like an endpoint to this but it doesn't really matter because it is just kind of like a bunch of dialogue trees for you to see all this character interaction and kind of expand those uh, arenas of characterization Mm
1: -hmm. no you could say it Michael Andrew Hussey invented the walking sim okay. yes the uh, I mean no it's it's super impressive I mean you know even if you look at I think what I don't remember what year I did it it might have been 2013 2014 somewhere in there you know i made a uh breaking bad game for uh Gameological illogical mm-hmm. society uh and uh john teddy the editor there had been making uh had been commissioning work every year you know to, for these little like online games that were kind of like year in review games and so they were pretty quickly made you know over the course of two or three w- weeks and they had to run on a web page and stuff like that the year i did it um, a bunch of people pulled out or, you know, they're scheduling issues or whatever. So I did one and I forget who the other person is who, who did one, but they did a, uh, 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 basketball game for, I think it might've been the year that Dennis Rodman went to North Korea. Mm-hmm. And so it was a game about Dennis Rodman playing basketball in North Korea. <laughs> uh like just a you know a little, little little goofy pixel art game and similarly mine was like a little goofy pixel art game about Breaking Bad. But I say all that to say that was several years after this and we had access to much easier tools. Well, I mean I guess they had access to Flash but uh much faster like deployment on the internet, tools and you know internet capability was a little bit more um I don't know easier to handle things like that. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And, uh, the things that we were making and the things that were going up on gameological, and in those end of year things were less impressive than this, uh, you know, uh, technologically. So mm-hmm. yeah, this is a, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I was really impressed by like the thing that this is, especially for when it came out. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, just a, a final, I guess, couple of historical notes in late September, um, The fan art thread on the official forums bans uh, depictions of pregnant children because someone posted uh, a picture of a pregnant Equius. Uh-huh. I I love how you have no idea where this is going, but there are so many people listening who know exactly where we're heading now.
1: I have no idea where this could be going.
0: So a, a couple of weeks later, uh a, a a fellow named uh Toby Radiation Fox,
2: oh, okay.
0: Uh wonders aloud, I wonder I wonder if the pregnant child ban uh in the fan art thread applies to fan music. And so then creates a uh rock opera shitpost uh called The Baby is You about john being told by uh dave that dave is pregnant and the baby that he's pregnant with is john and he john has to get him to the hospital to deliver the baby it's it's like it's it's a total shit post uh it's you know i wouldn't recommend going listening to it because it's like very much 2010s like sort of a little bit edgy shit post um yeah but this like erupts within the official forums and within uh the something right like, within the fandom because this is what makes the something awful uh people start registering for the official mm. forums is to like jump into the baby as you thread uh and react to it um and it's so funny because there are also people who are like I can't believe fandom is wild. I can't believe that someone would make this in full sincerity. And like, if you listen to this thing, it is so obviously a joke. Like even, even like the way that, uh, uh, Toby Fox like presents it is clearly just, uh, uh, right. Kicking dirt into the idea that like, well, no pregnant kids. It's like, what is the stupidest trolliest way I could respond to that? Um, but so yeah,
1: a rule you wouldn't think
0: you would have to make. Right. um, so I, I, this I mentioned this just because it's kind of like a, a a hallmark of like homestuck fan community development, because I think this is also something that uh, it, radiation has already made music for for the comic. It's already shown up. People like that. Mm-hmm. But I think in terms of uh, establishing Toby Fox as a personality um, who is going to interact with this fan base or a fan base, uh, this is kind of a critical inflection point for that. Right.
1: Yeah, I think that once any any audience size, especially on the internet, gets large enough, there is no joke that you can make that will not be taken as deathly serious by someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that gets commented on quite often on frequent, or uh, quite quite commented on quite frequently. Ooh, that's a hard one for me. Uh, on on Twitter, right, where it's like it, you know, if you uh, if you have a tweet that goes over like a hundred retweets, you will inevitably get these responses that are either willfully or accidentally misreading you in ways that are like unthinkable in the moment of tweeting it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I, I never could have gotten there in a thousand years. And you know, this is a good early use case or maybe not early, but a good example case of that kind of phenomenon of like once, once a piece of culture or anything like it becomes mass enough, the variety of human experience is wide enough that anything could happen. (sighs) I'm sure we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to have some <laughs> some truly exciting experiences with that. That is interesting that they made that song. Uh this is also the era of like the constant novelty song, like everyone believed after the advent of YouTube in particular. Mm-hmm. And like as YouTube really spun up and got more and more popular, uh everyone believed they were weird Al. Yeah. And so it's not surprising to me that someone I mean, I don't think Toby Fox is like a weird person, but the idea of like, I'll make a novelty song poking Mm -hmm. at this thing real common. Oh, yeah. At that at that time, this
0: is literally uh, the era of auto tune the news. Like the, oh, yeah. I mentioned back wow. during Gamzee's intro that we had uh, like that sort of spring or whatever. We had the double rainbow uh, guy like mm-hmm. posting this reaction video to seeing like two rainbows in the sky. And then that gets auto tuned and reformatted into a song that goes viral. Um, I'm linking to you, Cameron, the YouTube animation uh, where Gamzee sings this. Um, I'm good. I'm not going to look at that. you don't have to, but I'm just doing it anyway. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like this is it is exactly what you're saying, right? Uh, we can make novelty songs about every single current event, and that's never going to get tiring. We could do that probably forever.
1: Has that stopped at this point? I think TikTok has killed it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thankfully, no, now we're all just uh sea shanties and complaining about sea shanties.
1: Yeah, well, because I the last one that I can think of that was like truly mass. You know, really like w- was the level of these kinds of things from from this time period was like four or five years ago, right? It was um uh hide your wife, hide your kids, that whole thing?
0: Oh, that was about the same time as the um uh the double rainbow thing.
1: Is that true? <laughs> Did that happen a full ten years ago? Yeah. And I just that, think it happened in like twenty seventeen. Because
0: <laughs> I remember specifically of uh, a, a person that I knew who was constantly singing that during like a we were kind of running a summer session of like a little like kids summer camp thing. We were both counselors. Um, but the friend was constantly singing that. And I was also reading Homestuck.
1: Well, all of uh, time and space all at once. Uh-huh. I don't know what you to you. <laughs> Uh Well, then I can't think of one that more recent than that. But I, I feel like Vine and then TikTok uh, hampered those like novelty songs in a way. hmm. But maybe not. Maybe I just made that up. Well, maybe that's just like my own experience. That uh, maybe I've I've tuned out of the uh, novelty song world.
0: Well, that wraps it up. Uh, next time we will continue with episode five, and we are going to continue reading Act Five, uh, Act Two, uh, with episode two of episode five uh, we're reading until page 3087 that's what you need to know so uh read up until then uh we will see you back here in two weeks and we will have more homestuck to talk about uh, parting words of wisdom cameron that's it <laughs>